The finish line was in sight. Marbella, here I come. Oh, no! No! That was excellent, that was worthy of the bill. So stupid, he comes across in front of me every single time he overtakes. Where does he want me to go off the track? No! I haven't got a witty intro this time around. The only humour I've got is Lewis Hamilton's engine went boom. Welcome back to Most <laughs> 101. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Motorsport 101, episode number 60. Good lord, we've done 60 episodes already. That, that's uh, that's just kind of mental at this point. Uh, I'm your friendly neighbour, Mr. Andre Harrison. Thank you very much for listening to us. And uh, my word, there's actually, like, first of all, it's good to be back because I wasn't here last week only in spirit with my MotoGP review that came through with all the sizzling hot takes. Uh, King, did you enjoy those after, after the episode was after you recorded and found out what it actually sounded like? Yes, yes. It was, it was weird having a whole entire section of the podcast recorded before I got a chance to say anything and then the only way I could listen to it is listening to it after it was you know all edited and done and it was it was it was a strange experience yeah I mean like again we're actually that was actually the most professional we've ever been on this show so props to us for actually factoring in for my absence to actually have my content in there some way or another but I hope you guys enjoyed that I was, I was it, it was nice to show that I was still kind of there in spirit but um yeah welcome to the most one on podcast once again welcome to episode 60 um sorry for the not so creative intro on this occasion um in case you haven't already heard you can find us over here obviously on iTunes SoundCloud all your good places like TuneIn um, also, I think we're on the cast app as well. So we're on games consoles now too. So if you if you have if you have an Xbox One or a PS4 and you, you know you like having podcasts on in the background while you game, you can play us through Horizon Free or something. If you really are that crazy to play video games and listen to us at the same time, <laughs> I, I, if, you, if you do that, I think you're nuts. Because just the one thing you want when you're blasting through the Australian outback is Dre's hot takes on Nico Rosberg. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Well, what more could anybody ask for, quite frankly? But, uh, of course, you can also find us on Twitter, at motorsport underscore 101. I'm still waiting for the guy to give up his other proper Twitter username, the git. Um, but in the meantime, <laughs> we're, at, we're at motorsport underscore 101. We personally are on Twitter, at Harrison101HD, at AJ underscore Bombersports, and Ryan Eric King. That's with two Ks. We are also on YouTube, at youtube.com forward slash motorsport 101. A lot of content coming up on there in the next week or so. We've got two Dravy episodes coming out very soon as well oh, as yeah. motorsport mythbusters which is coming very soon as well so a lot to look forward to on there and if you really really like us you can back us on patreon and support the show that way a whole bunch of opportunities and perks on there those guys that have that, that are at the 15 level previously at the 10 that i've got t-shirts they will be coming in the next week or so so i finally got around to sorting that out um so shout out to parker zaglin tyler small jake callahan rhino gt4 jack webb tom stanley carl seleski josh satil miles Park and ever manly for all being patreon backers much appreciated as always Whew, got the main intro out of the way that's that's always that's always good um so introducing our guest as always mr mr adam johnson hello hello uh i'm i'm here and stuff uh, I, yeah. I had a bit of a busy weekend. I'll explain why in keeping it 101, but it's still good to be here tonight. I have tea, which appeared to fool one of our other guests into thinking that was the actual intro. She thought we were so British, we started the show with me offering to make tea. 
Yep, we'll get to her in a minute. <laughs> That's very fun indeed. Also, we have Mr. Ryan King of us. Hello, sir. Yes, me also having a cup of tea with me and not being oh so British. Oh, <laughs> he's, he's, he's British in spirit. Look at him there. <laughs> but, but, uh, so also that we also have another special guest of us for the first time on Motorsport 101 to talk some Formula E. She writes over at eracing.net. It's Katie Fairman. Hello, Dyer. Hello, how are you? We are we we are very good. We're very excited to have you on. Like I said, we mentioned this before we went on the air. We've been meaning to have you on here for ages, and we just never really thought of the right show for it. And it's like, oh, hang on, Formula restarts this weekend. Why not have you on for that? And I'm, I'm, we're like, we're delighted to finally have you with us, and uh, yeah, we're very excited indeed. So welcome Thank aboard, Katie, and welcome to the Mad Ship. Um, it's it's all downhill from here. <laughs> but, that out of the way with the four of us on this podcast let's move into keeping it 101 and king we might as well get this out of the way Congratulations to your boys, Team USA, for winning the Ryder Cup. Thank God. It's, it's been far too long. I thought we were going to lose four in a row. <laughs> well, yeah, USA's first Ryder Cup in, what is it, eight years now? Um, yes. It's, it's all I've got left over, you guys, for, for the time being, King. Like, honestly, it was not a good sports weekend for me. Manchester United bought all the way a game to Stoke. Sebastian Vettel drives like a plonker in Malaysia. <laughs> and then we lose the Ryder Cup. It's just like, it's... it's it, it wasn't a good weekend for me, King. And I, I knew it was going to be a good weekend. The more, the moment a random fan from the gallery outputs Rory McIlroy. <laughs> <I did laughs> That's probably that. like the greatest thing I've ever seen on the internet. Uh, that was amazing. Like Rory McIlroy, like like a fan was heckling Team Europe, um, pra- uh, having putting practice on a green, and you know, I think it was either him or Justin Rose that calls him over. Says, "If you can make that putt, we'll give you a hundred dollars." He, he, of course, the fan comes out and he nails it. <laughs> he, he gets a hundred bucks and rousing applause from everybody in attendance. And once again, Rory McIlroy is holding an enormous L to his name. Uh, not, not the first time in his career. You know, that's when he dump a guy via dump a girl via text message. <laughs> no, break up an engagement via text message. Yes. Oh my god! <laughs> to be yes. fair, I have known a friend of mine who got dumped by Twitter once. Oh, <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> That's actually a thing that happens. <laughs> I know, and it was it was two weeks after I'd broke, I'd been dumped, and I was like, oh well, I, I. And then that happened to my best mate, and it's like, oh, I'm not allowed to. No one has any sympathy for me anymore because that's kind of blown it away. Mm. Yeah, it's 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 not ideal. That, that that sounds all signs. That sounds all kinds of terrible. I mean, I did watch a bit of the Ryder Cup when I was at work, and like being at work, obviously because I work in a bookies, you get the prices because it, it go it goes in play, obviously, and just seeing like the USA's odds just get worse and worse and worse as the day went on. I think they started like one to six. It got to it got to eight, ten, sixteen. 50 <laughs> it's like oh dear <laughs> it just got worse and worse i mean shout out to like yeah. mcelroy and reed had a brilliant match i think mickelson and garcia was amazing on the final day that that was like two prize fighters just beating the crap out of each other for 12 rounds and 
and you know just just dupes had to hold that out on this one and our wild card picks were terrible but uh, yeah that's that was just, that was just a bad day in the office for, 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 for team Europe in, in general that, so well done King you, you, you can have this slice of humble pie congratulations to team America yes <laughs> yeah. yes team USA getting not thankfully getting a Ryder Cup victory again in my lifetime <laughs> yes yes they did thank god Connors isn't here otherwise I'd be getting roasted right now <laughs> Look, there's only one American on here today. Look, like we've, we've we've had worse events like this where the Americans just stunted on us. So- I also like the fact how King is focusing on Dre because he knows I don't pay attention to any golf. Yes, yes, <laughs> I am the sports guy. Therefore, I must hold the L for everybody. That's how it works. <laughs> but, uh, King, did you have anything else you wanted to talk about in your segment besides the Ryder Cup? Oh God, probably. probably- uh, one of the projects I'm working on, which is, which is really Ooh. cool because okay. it's it's actually like school related and stuff like that, where um, thankfully one of Google's many, many projects is scanning and uploading old documents. Oh, and nice. um, they, they actually uploaded um, issues of one, uh, The Horseless Age, which was like the premier American racing magazine in like the 1890s. They also upload uh, Auto Car, which I'm pretty sure Auto Car is still in print today. I'm pretty sure it is. Yeah, yeah. And they and it's weird to go back and look. Like I've been doing research to like the history of motor racing in New York City, and the first motor race in New York City took place in eighteen ninety yeah eighteen ninety six, and it was sponsored by <laughs> Cosmopolitan Magnus magazine, which is also in print today, but it's nothing like what it was in the eighteen nineties. It was not a women's magazine in the eighteen nineties. What, what was it in eighteen ninety six then? Um, it was, oh, I would say like a literature magazine, like probably similar to like the New Yorker or the Atlantic today. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Interesting indeed. Yeah. I've noticed that Google is is going hard on those old documents. I know like on the gaming side, I think people have been trying to get Nintendo Power magazine scanned and printed up on there for a little while, which is also kind of cool. Um, so that's, that's kind of interesting as well. Yeah. But like one, like. One of the things I want to talk about is like mm. um, the horseless age. They took letters, like they 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 printed letters they received from readers and like prominent members of the racing world, and so you could actually get a good idea of how the the things they argued about in the eighteen nineties about racing, and it is so mind blowing. <laughs> give us give us a quick example. Mm. One of the things that that uh, they worried about in racing in the 1890s, because it wasn't just a straight race. It was actually a point system where you got points based on how quick you were, how expensive your car is. Like the the more expensive your car is, the less points you get, how easy it is to operate. And the way they set out the point system for the Cosmopolitan race, what they called it in New York City from, I think it was New York City to Irvington on the Hudson and back. So it's like 26 miles up the Hudson and then back into the city. And uh, Cosmopolitan, we're going to give 50 points for speed. And they got, I would probably say they printed like about six or so letters saying that that was way too much points for speed, that people are going to go out there and kill people on the, on the New York City streets. <laughs> Because they're going to be racing each other. But funnily enough, during the race, the eventual race winner 
struck and hit a woman on a bicycle. Oh, Jesus Christ. So they Luckily, were kind of vindicated in that sense. Yeah, they were kind of vindicated in the sense, but even though, like... Uh, Cosmopolitan Magazine actually, like, took heed to these letters and changed their point system. Oh, wow. <laughs> so actually writing angry emails and letters actually worked back then. <laughs> yeah, so so the race winner struck and hit a woman on a bicycle on the, uh, I think it was around the corner of Broadway and 74th Street. As you uh, know. She, she ended up being fine and she broke her leg and that was it. Thank God. <laughs> Thank God. That That is absolutely crazy. It's like, it's, it was... So in other words, racing Ben was a bit like concourse. It's like, oh, you know, your car's got to be really easy to drive. It's got to be cheap. And it also preferably has to be kind of fast, given, it, you know, it's a race. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah. but uh, that's actually really interesting. I might, do, I might do some digging into that at some point. But uh, Johnson, I hear you were at Brands for the British Touring Car Championship finale. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I was. Uh, and I had an overall better sporting weekend. As I say, I don't pay attention to the Ryder Cup and my team AFC Wimbledon won, which is rather hey. nice. They've not been doing that. They've not been doing that that much in League One this year, but it was all good. Um, and yes, the, touring, the British Touring Car finale on the Sunday. I had a lot of questions about this. Can I just say, I mother trucking called it... Gordon Shedden, back-to-back champion. Thank you very much. Although I've got to say, I don't think many people... bold prediction given he was the reigning champion. (laughs) Well, given there were eight people going into the final round with a championship uh, shot, it really... I mean, this literally... I find it hilarious how NASCAR bigs up the, the chase format with a guaranteed four-way championship showdown in the final round. British Touring Cars just had eight. Get on their level, Brian France. Like, going into the final round, you effectively had three races to decide between eight drivers. You had Sam Tordoff, who's never been champion before, running for the West Surrey Racing BMW squad, who are classified as factory now because they're big enough, basically, to compete with the factory teams. Um, His teammate, Rob Collard, was in. It was really interesting. It was an interesting dynamic because you had four teams with two drivers each in contention. You had both the Hondas of Gordon Shedden and Matt Neal. You had two of the BMWs, Sam Tordoff and Rob Collard. You had both the motorbase Fords of Andrew Jordan, the 2013 champ, and Matt Jackson. And you had two of the Subarus, unbelievably, Colin Turkington and Jason Plato. Yes, Jason Plato, yet again, went into the final round of the British Touring Car season in contention for the championship. To set the context, this Subaru didn't score any points for the first two rounds of the season, sat out round three because they had safety concerns over the cars blowing up and catching fire, and only started scoring points by round four so for me I mean Plato was one of the first contenders to drop out he really was like he was mathematically in contention but he was kind of oh yeah you know he'd have needed a miracle but what was really fascinating is that the I mean the BMWs looked weak at Brands Hatch and they really struggled so Shedden gradually ate into Tordov's lead across the day but Colin Turkington dominated the first two races and actually went into the final race of the day third in points just nine back from Tordov so for him to go from that level, I mean, I remember seeing them at Brands at the start of the season, the Subarus. They were underpowered. They were leaden footage. They were bulky. They just didn't, they weren't handling very well. And even then, Turkington was threatening the points and getting good qualifying performances out of them. He has done the Lord's work with those cars this year. Yeah, I mean, it was Plato's, you know, call it politicking, whatever you want. They got a, they got a turbo boost break and that's what's finally made them competitive and they've been really strong ever since. But... I was pleased in a way that it was Turkington who was the one that led the charge for the Subarus in the end because he has 
gotten down and done the dirty work all season with a car that really didn't want to cooperate. And for him to be right there in contention, I think he finished in the final standings fourth. Magical, great effort. And if he'd won the title, this probably would have been his greatest achievement yet, uh, even above his other two with the BMW squads. But we go into the final race of the day with uh, Sam Tordoff just two points ahead of Gordon Shedden. Both of them are nine ahead of, uh, well, Tordov's nine ahead of uh, Turkington. And in the end, Shedden just had the slightly stronger car. Like, it was a fascinating final race in that it didn't have the Shedden charging through from the back of the field and the controversy and the, the bold overtakes and everything that happened there. But it was a lot more of a knife-edge atmosphere. Any instant would have handed the championship to the other guy. Tordov, you could tell, was straining with a car that had a lot of ballast. It wasn't enjoying brands at all. Shedden is just... He's he's after Sunday. I have to say he's probably the best of the current era. I think we're slightly past the Matt Neal, Jason Plato era. I think we're now Gordon Shedden is the leader of the pack. Uh, he's now on three titles. He's matched Matt Neal. He may well be the one who matches Andy Rouse's record before Matt Neal. Everyone assumed it would Matt would do it first, mm. but I can't see how he can have it anywhere else. Like I figured going into the weekend, Shedden is just that good in high pressure situations. He's that good at cl- he's the closer basically. Yes. Like if whatever needs to be done, he'll find a way to do it, and he's so hard to defeat in that sort of straight championship showdown. But it was a it was a great weekend. I really enjoyed the atmosphere once again. The racing was so good and. Like the British touring cars, it looks great on TV, but when you watch it trackside, you feel the intensity. You feel like every single position really matters and people are giving absolute blood and thunder mm. to, to battle for every position, no matter what talent they actually have, which is where you get some of the shenanigans back in the field. Sure. Um, on a side note, actually, speaking of that, I was actually down at uh, Sterling's. Uh, the moment I was down at Sterling's for about an hour, everything seemed to happen. Uh, so we had a spin in the Clio Cup race mm. and then a car spun out, crashed into the tire wall and barrel rolled right past our position. That was pretty scary. Um, wow. Huge crash right in front of us. I got most of it on camera. And then the Jeanette Junior race started. Someone else flew off there. So we moved on and I think it was quiet for the rest of the day. <laughs> but yeah, just a great weekend. Like, again, the British Touring Car Championship delivers. Maybe next year will finally be the year I actually get into British Touring Cars. Because like, like, most people have nagged me about this for years. Like, Dre, when are you giving the BTCC a chance? I'm like, okay, I'm not- can I just say, sorry, before you continue, top tip. If you want Dre to watch something, don't nag him. If no. you nag him, he's less likely to watch it. He'll just go, no, fuck you. you just leave him much. to his own devices. It's like NASCAR. I'm, just, I'm not nagging him to watch NASCAR. I'm just leaving it to him. He may eventually. He's nearly come round for the new Heat Evolution game, but still, like nearly, nearly. I'm, I'm on the fence. And any reason I haven't got it yet is because it's, it's an expensive month because Ride Two comes out this Friday. So that's, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, it's like, see, and I, I almost had a broken Xbox. So I'll get into that on another day. But um, <laughs> it was. It, it's been a. It's been a testy 24 hours for me. Now, like, there's been there's been a bit of an odd one out here among amongst the four of us here about keeping it 101. But there's something I've always wanted to ask a certain someone, and that's. Katie, like, <laughs> hello. <laughs> Yeah, I'm still here. Yeah, 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 you are still here. I promise. But um, I wanted to ask you about this because, like, me and you have something in common. Like, we've but we've both went to the Zoom charity auction at one point. I mean, I, I, I was going to say, where's this going? Yeah, this yeah, is starting yeah. to sound like that Jeremy Clarkson interview with. Um, oh God, what's the name of the actress? He, uh, it was Christian Scott Thomas. Yes. Oh God. <laughs> All in the same year. We both own Range Rovers. <laughs> yeah, that kind of thing. But like, we have that in common. So I wanted, I wanted to ask you. This, this is something that I know a certain co-host on has also been getting into recently, but. What is it like in the world of being a freelance journalist? Because I know you started really young getting into this space, and it's something I've always been curious about. Because you you've gone 
all around the place from what I've seen from following you for the last year and a half or so, you know, Mercedes factory and you went to the, the Belgian Grand Prix and, you know, you went, you went to the Zoom Cherry auction with all, with, where all the F1 guys end up going. And what's that been like for you? Because I've always been curious about that. It's been really weird because I never thought I would be writing. <laughs> I never showed interest to English or anything like that. I would just <clears> watch one because my work grew up following the sport. Um, and then... Um, yeah, I guess I became quite involved because mm. I was a fan of Nico's, um, and so I started being, well, I wouldn't call myself a fangirl, but like my parents would say I was a Nico or so a fangirl. Mm. Um, yeah, um, and so he got me really, really into it, and then I just started oh, yeah. a blog um, on some holidays, and yeah, I just started writing, and like, I was so interested before, but because... I knew my work was going to be put out there. I wanted to make sure that the punctuation was right, the spelling was right, the grammar was right, all that kind of stuff. Um, and yeah, people soon started to read it and like it, and so I started doing more. Um, and then yeah, you just meet people as you're going along, um, and for the people I was fortunate enough, he was um, always involved in the Zoom charity auction, and he was very generous with his opportunities. So uh, yeah, it all sort of, sort of like happened at once, really. So it was all just a bit of a whirlwind. You just you just bumped into the right people, and next thing you know, you're you're on a plane to Belgium or something. Yeah, as you do, yeah. <laughs> as you do, no big deal. <laughs> yeah, but it was it was when I went back to my school like last year because the reason um, well I just started my blogging because I was bored and yeah. I always wanted to be a teacher. That's what I wanted to do from yeah oh, like, wow. since when I started school, mm. uh, and then I went. Started this blog and then went back in September back to school and they told me that I failed my first year of A levels like I completely no oh, it was oh, awful yeah. it was literally like use use as far as you could see um and so they said you know you can either keep on going or start again and so I thought well I'm really into all this media kind of stuff so maybe I'll I'll try a different angle now on my A levels and so then I ended up doing things like media studies and everything like that um. Mm. And as corny as the line can be, sometimes I do believe things happen for a reason. Like that, sure. that failing that year A levels. If I hadn't have done that and I continued, I think I still would have been like going down a teaching route. I don't think any of this would have happened. Mm. Um, I was I, I was going to ask. Like, I was going to about to ask. Do you still have plans on being a teacher at any point? But now, like, are you are you believing you're all in for, for you know being in the motorsport space now? I think so. I mean, some of the people like my parents, especially, do think that it's a phase. They, well, I mean, sure. I have a job. I'm a receptionist, like full time, and I do this as mm. a passion on the side. But I know that I'm capable of working in the motorsport industry, and that's just what I've got to use to keep me going. Because I could quite easily just chuck this all away, but I don't want to. I know I want to work in motorsport, um, so hopefully one day I will. <laughs> yeah. Would you mind? Uh, can you mind if I just jump in yeah, at this point? I'm <laughs> aimed directly at you because I know you're trying to get into the freelance space yourself. <laughs> yeah, well, it's it's an interesting one for me. I mean, like recently, um, I've been sort of in the motorsport scene in the last three years as like a mix of a broadcaster and a journalist and accredited journalist. I wanted to just ask what your experience has kind of been in terms of, I've got a bit of an impression that there are certain aspects of the industry that are a bit, um, it's hard to say, but a bit sort of like not old boys club sounds really harsh antiquated but like a sort of it's yeah a little bit antiquated a little bit feel that the younger guys coming into the scene are a bit of a threat um so i, d I don't know if you i just wanted to know what your kind of experience has been in terms of being a uh 
like a younger journalist coming in, you know, fairly f- new blood coming in. Do you know what I mean? Mm, yeah. Um, well, for the most part, people have been pretty like open-armed about it. Um, but one thing that I was speaking to Susie Perry actually at the Zoom auction, um, and she said to myself and then a group of other girls, because uh, there are not many young girls that want to get into motorsport journalism. Mm, so sure. the ones, That's a shame. Yeah, but... The good thing is with that, there's a small group of us and we are really close. Um, but yeah, yeah, Susie Perry said to us, if she has to give us one piece of advice, be careful because there are a lot of sharks out there. Um, mm. Oh, yeah. And I haven't, well, I know a, a few people that have been, well, I don't like the, the phrase played, but they haven't been treated very nicely by certain people yeah. in the motorsport industry. Um, and, you know, that's a shame because, for some people, like that's their first experience of freelance or motorsport or whatever, um, and for Absolutely. it to be such a shitty one is a real shame. And I, I do wonder if quite a lot of people are put off by the the um, like the old boys club, like you said, that they might meet first. So I think I'm very lucky. I haven't. Everybody I've met in motorsports so far has been well, certainly nice to my face, but. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that could be a problem. But, but yeah, yeah, that's that's very intriguing. That and again, like very cool that you bumped into Susie Perry. Like I, I was actually too shy to talk to her, and I went to the auction in 2014. It, it, it was weird. I, like, I didn't bump into her, but I bumped into Rosanna Tennant, who was producing Pole Position P1's YouTube channel at the time. I think she now works for Mercedes um, on their YouTube channel. So uh, that was that was kind of cool. Really tall. <laughs> I was like, whoa. Um, but um, yeah, yeah, that, that, that was very very cool. And again, like. Like I, I admire how how much you've gotten you gotten yourself out there since then, and I mean that, and obviously in a very positive sense. But uh, I was always kind of intrigued by that by that freelance space because it's something that's very interesting because it's something I've kind of done but never really fully invested in in the last like two or three years. But and I feel like well, I mean, me and King have said before. I feel like you should because your written stuff's that good. But it's uh, <laughs> it's all about like I, I mean, I'm personally I'm moving a, a lot more out of the broadcasting side <clears throat> now because it's it's amazing how much. <laughs> you don't see and how especially in commentary in the uk and, and circuit commentary in that there's not that much money and there's a lot you have to do and there's a lot you're expected to be to different people do you know what i mean sure so it can be a strange one but i like the idea of freelance journalism and i don't know if you've had this katie if you're a freelance journalist you're sort of going in there a little bit more on your own terms you're writing for people of course uh, whether it's your blog or for other you know publications but you're sort of you can go after the interviews you can craft content that is in your style you can have a little bit more uh, stamp your own mark more on it and kind of make your own space do you know what i mean a hundred percent agree with you yeah exactly. like i enjoyed a lot more well i have enjoyed uh i remember the first event i did as uh, official accredited member of the media was the blanc pan gt sprint series at brands hatch in 2014 and that was an amazing moment just walking into the press room and and like i'm here i belong here that i'm not i'm not somehow i haven't blagged this and i'm i've not gone in the wrong door and waiting for security to show me the way out (laughs) like it was meant to be but i kind of enjoyed that a bit more because you kind of have that creative license so hence why i think dre you'd be brilliant at it Stop it, you people are far too kind to me. Basically, I'm firing this back at you. <laughs> fine, fine, fine. I, I, like, honestly, I don't think my writing is as good as you people like to think it is. But, you know, I, I, I always appreciate the kind words. I mean, like, because I work in a bookies now, they've got so many different departments that, you know, who knows what may happen with that. They have got sports writing areas and things like that because 
it's a sports place. You've got to have people in there that know what they're talking about. So, yeah, yeah, man. You know, it's a shame we have Robbie Savage as a brand ambassador, but hey, well, you know, you've got to make best of what you got. As I, you know, if life gives you lemons, you got to make lemonade. But, uh, you know, you, you make the best of what you got, basically. But um, again, very insightful, Katie. Thank you very much for that. But, but uh, let's move on and let's talk about the Malaysian Grand Prix. <laughs> <laughs> like can't you just get in the woohoo in that little musical transition which will put in Malaysian Grand Prix time okay. <laughs> oh I'm leaving that in as the yeah, musical I'm leaving that in I'm overruling Johnson we're leaving that in even though it's something different <laughs> oh my god <laughs> And uh, King, I gotta say, um, what, what happened to your boy? <laughs> oh, which, 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 which boy? Here? Which boy? The boy that finished third, or the boy whose engine blew up? Uh, <laughs> I, mm, I wonder. <laughs> Can I just say, lads? I've just realised there could be a blood feud here between you boys. Like Dre King, I want nothing below the belt. All right. Oh yeah, because our boys got to together in turn one. No, my first no. season boys were just like, "No, nope, we ain't part of this." <laughs> listen, listen, listen. Like, Katie, for those of us that don't know already, and for Katie, I'm the biggest Sebastian Vettel fan you'll probably ever meet. King's no, big, really? No, yeah, yeah. How did you guess? <laughs> and King is the biggest Nico Rosberg fan you'll ever meet in your life. So, and I'm the biggest Sergio. I'm the only Sergio Perez fan you'll meet in your life. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So, so Johnson's an outcast here. King, I want a good clean fight. Mm. <laughs> so, Vettel obviously didn't. Oh, <laughs> you know what? I, I want to come out on the aggressive here, but I haven't really got a leg to stand on here. Dre's trying to cut that menacing promo, but he just can't do it. No, no, it's 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 not in me on this one. Like I, I, I it happened when I was on the. I happened just before I left for work on, on Sunday morning, and. I watched it and I was like, oh, Vettel, you fucking plonker. What have you done? Uh, I remember watching it in the car with whoever who gave me a lift to Brian's Hatch. It was one of the journalists working there. And I remember watching it going, Seb, did you just try and claim that that was somehow... Like, what was that? <laughs> That's like F1 2016 online first corner. Yeah, like... It, listen, man. Like, like it was bad enough because Vettel got a really, really good start from fifth place. It was, it was an excellent launch. He had half a shot at second going into turn one, but I thought he's gonna have to break really, really late to outgun for Stappen into this corner, uh, which he did. It, which he did, and until you realise he hasn't got a hope in hell of making the apex, <laughs> but Stappen manages to swerve out of the way somehow, and the poor unfortunate victim here was Nico Rosberg. King, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, I, it, it could have been much worse. It could have been retirement. It could have been a lot worse. <laughs> yeah, it could, it could have been a lot worse. And like on my side of things, like I, it seemed like Vettel bit off more than he could chew because he, like everyone else, knows that pretty much the race is decided at the first corner. It's pretty mm. much pick up as many positions as you can at the first corner and then defend like hell for the rest of the race. 
It's like playing F1 2016's career mode basically all over again. You just you just you just take advantage of everybody being slow on turn one, and then see what you can get from there, and to hold everybody off for the rest of the race. That's pretty much how it's done these days. But uh, yeah, Rosberg goes for a goes goes for a quick spin. Vettel's suspension breaks. He's out of the race. I am extremely livid at the situation, and like again, I I was looking to try and blame somebody because that's what you do when you're a defensive fan. And others, I was like, nope, I got nobody blame but himself on this. Was like, oh god, I got to take the. Oh, order. Yeah. But, but, I, but I love the commentary, the, the radio commentary from Max Verstappen. The, like the, the hypocrisy is just so <laughs> blatant. It's like honestly, at this point, I'm beyond hating Max Verstappen. It's now I, honestly, I just laugh at just how like ignorant the man tends to be. No, it's no, like, but but I just love the part where he, over the team radio is like, "Oh, Sebastian's such an idiot," and then his then his engineer in the pit wall is like, "Yeah, Seb is an idiot." I'm like, "What?" <laughs> He's gone full Chris Jericho, isn't he? (laughs) He's gone full Chris Jericho. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) Stupid idiot. (laughs) Oh, God. It wasn't uh, pretty. It wasn't pretty. And, like, Verstappen called him an idiot on the radio, which, again, we talk about the hypocrisy of this. Like, wasn't that not the exact same move that Verstappen tried at Spa? Yeah. Yeah, it, it was it was basically a carbon copy of what happened at Spa, and like, it went about as well. It went about as well, but look, the, the difference is, is that like Verstappen got away with it, and and it was the Ferraris, specifically Vettel, that took the brunt of it for the most part, and. Like Vettel tried the exact same move and he gets the brunt of it again. Karma does not like me very much, clearly. <laughs> both, like both times it's happened on the receiving end and on the giving end, he's lost out on both occasions. It's like a really bad relationship. <laughs> it's not it's, it's it wasn't pretty at all. So Vettel's out of the race. Rosberg falls to the back. He has to fight his way back up through the field. It wasn't it wasn't it was a very entertaining first, I'd say maybe nine or ten laps because Grosjean's brakes failed, hence the hilarious line from Romain Grosjean on the radio of my brakes braked and <laughs> as as he enters the gravel which I thought was 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 awesome and just like just like the bit of broken Roman. yeah the bit of broken english there was great i, lo- I love that that was hilarious um it died down a little bit it looked like hamilton was on the brink of winning comfortably and then with 15 laps to go you boom. Have those fans in the grandstand as well oh god that was amazing. Like, they were in shock. I don't think they could believe it. I think I think there were some leftover Valentino Rossi fans from last year at Sepang. <laughs> like, 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 I've never heard a Sepang grandstand erupt like that before. It was kind of like last year when um, Matt Kenseth just wiped out Joey Logano at Martinsville. The entire that that entire end of Martinsville just exploded. It was like it was like a wrestling pop. Yes, like a journalist <laughs> described it as like the moment John Cena hits the ring to come down and save the baby faces from the beatdown. That was that sort of pop. Yeah, <laughs> and it, I think it's more a sort of case of uh, he's going to win dominantly. I think we've. Wait, what? <laughs> what just right, happened? Like, 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 just the build-up to this weekend, you could tell that this is like a second home race for the Mercedes team. Yes, and for, for the crowd to pop like that when Lewis Hamilton <laughs> retires in the race is like, just a bit of a sign, like, even for, like, even, you know, at a quote-unquote home race, it's kind of nice to see, you know, one of <laughs> the Mercedes just... just not be able to finish. 
basically that grandstand was, hi, we're the grandstand at Sepang Circuit, and what just happened? <laughs> <laughs> like, honestly, I love that King, the Mercedes fanboy, can come out and say that, because me, the casual fan, was like, yes! <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I, just, I just remember looking at Twitter, just seeing flames coming out, Hamilton's going, going, oh, how unfortunate. <laughs> I, I just, I just like glanced at the screen, glanced at Twitter, and I'm just like, this is not gonna be fine. No, no, it's, it's all going up in flames. Like, break out the dog in the house on fire, gift going. This is fine because it isn't. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 it was an eruption in more ways than one from the crowd and from Hamilton's power unit. And like Hamilton, Hamilton himself after the race. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like, like, the, like, I can't lie. Like again. Like, Hamilton fans are going to hate so much by the end of this show. But like, like they don't already. That's if they don't already, but, like, like the, the radio message of, oh, no, 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 no. And it's just like, oh, like, I almost, almost felt bad for him. Almost. It was almost like one of those Top Gear things where you hear Jeremy Clarkson going, oh, please, oh, please. <laughs> like, yeah, like, honestly, like, like, the memes just wrote themselves, like, like... <laughs> Hamilton just out of the car. He's he, he, like he's putting his hands together. He's praying for a miracle or some of some sort. It's it's an incredible spectacle and it's an enormous twist in the title race because obviously Hamilton had a twenty second lead at that point in time with fifteen laps to go. It was looking like it's going to be a, another very straightforward win. Break out the celebrations. Hamilton win number fifty in the bank and. Oh no! <laughs> like I tried to be witty about it, I just went, "Oh dear!" And uh, it, 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 oof, oh dear! And uh, you know, it's a shame that that happened. <laughs> but uh, you know, it's, it's it's King. Your boy's got a chance now. Like twenty-three point lead with five to go because Rosberg ended up coming back to finishing third. This is a really after. Good can I just say what a brilliant comeback drive that was? I know yeah. it's Mercedes OP, but seriously, like we'll get into more discussion about the penalty in a minute. But the fact that he fought back to third and also had to gap Kimi Raikkonen's fourth by over ten seconds for a penalty, which should never have happened. Oh my god! That's, yeah. Seriously, that's a seriously good. That's yeah. What do we always say, King? You win your championship on your worst days. Yeah, you win this your was, championship was, on your worst <laughs> days, and this is arguably Nico Rosberg's worst day. <laughs> Yeah, like not, there wasn't even his own fault he was down there in the first place, and yet he was able to come back and finish on the podium. And like you say, benched benched Raikkonen by enough seconds where the time penalty was no longer a factor. Um, incredible drive from Nico Rosberg, something we haven't talked about because obviously, like for some reason, Max Verstappen fucking won driver of the day, and I can't stand that that's still a thing. Oh, <laughs> oh, uh, well, the Max Verstappen bomb army. Like, yeah. Honestly, like, in case you've lost count, that is the fifth time this season Max Verstappen has won driver of the day more than any other man in the field I don't think what anybody Rio Harrianto? Is, that, is that only because Rio Harrianto stopped competing <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah they, they nerfed the Indonesian vote <laughs> yeah they nerfed it because the Indonesians were, were, were basically cracking the ballot box at this point um, but like I think I don't think anybody else has won it more than twice and, Ross, and Verstappen has it five times this year which is just crazy even though he finished in second and wasn't wasn't really all that special but um as a result of, of Hamilton's engine blowing up, Daniel Ricciardo wins his first Grand Prix in over two years. Yes, yeah, like a round of shoeies for everyone. Shoeies for everybody. <laughs> can I just hear, can I just say I heard some whoops from the the Katie segment. We've talked about our boys. Is Danny yours? I do love Daniel Ricciardo, but hey. I don't like it. I don't like it. <laughs> 
<laughs> Dre, it's not 2014 anymore. Calm down. Shut up. Yeah, it's not 2014 anymore. My quote does not apply. <laughs> What quote? Uh, what quote oh, was this, King? I'm, I'm not bringing it up again. That was a one-time deal. That was a one-time deal. <laughs> Wait, are we going right back to the start of Motorsport 101 here? Katie, I'll message you on Facebook what that quote was after we finished recording. <laughs> I'm, pretty sure, like, I'm pretty sure if it wasn't obscene, it would be the number one candidate for a T-shirt because yes. that is that's probably like the most mentioned to me quote that I've ever said on this show. <laughs> yes, yes, it is. It's, it's a it's a glorious quote. Long time listeners will know exactly what we're talking about here. But hooray for can Daniel Ricardo! Can said, we just say as well? Yeah. This will be one of many trivia facts. Um, uh, and and the F1 website posted this up. Uh, I think the day after the race. Uh, this was the first time no world champions were on the podium in a Grand Prix since Belgium twenty four Belgium twenty fourteen, right? He's got it, and that was Dan's last win. So yeah, basically, Dan. if Dan wins a race, no world champions are with him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Dan and Ricardo's last win was Belgium 2014, and that podium was, I want to say, Ricardo Rosberg Bottas, I think was the top three that weekend. I think you might be right. Yeah, I think Quote, it, unquote, the future world champions club. The future world champions club. Bottas has since been kicked out of said club for driving for Williams. <laughs> but um, in any case, yeah, brilliant win for Daniel Ricardo, And I like... This race, I think, was a, like people were telling me it was a seven, eight out of ten. I, I don't, I don't agree with that at all. I think it was a. I think, I think the rating got uh, inflated because of the shock Lewis Hamilton retirement. Exactly, it, it was, it was a, it was a benefit of circumstance. I think more than anything else. But it's a bit like one of those like WWE title matches, which is kind of boring. But then there's an unexpected swerve at the money end, and everyone loves the match. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's kind of like Daniel Ricciardo effectively cashed in money in the bank. Pretty much. And he even said, he even said to Lewis, he was like. No offense, bad luck on your part, but this one's for Monaco, mate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was that, that that was a magnificent quote. Um, but yeah, absolutely. Again, again, Ricardo goes on to win it, and like again, this race I think was a little bit inflated. But how good was the was the Ricardo Verstappen fight in the middle of that race? Oh, Katie, do you want to talk about? Do you want to take this one? Um, well, I said I only really saw the highlights of it, but um, what I saw it was pretty epic. And somebody later on put it to Titanic music. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, I, I need to find this now. And there's like the part where Lewis's engine goes, and Tate will like perfectly slams his fist on the table in time with the music. It's, it's amazing. Oh, that sounds amazing. Oh, I it. It's so good. That, that actually, oh, I, I, I do have to admit, Toto Wolf looked devastated like it, it, oh you would be though wouldn't you i mean yes you, you lose a race win but it, it to me it felt like he was more devastated because he knew what was gonna be oh, the knew. aftermath yeah. he knew hamilton was gonna blow up yeah no, literally he, he knew hamilton was gonna blow up he knew the media was gonna blow up he knew everyone was gonna blow up it's, a, it's almost like he was sat there like can we make it through one grand prix without the media going nuts over my, oh no, no. <laughs> That, that's actually perfect now I think about it yeah that's that's again again King Agugu King like, like Toto looked totally devastated he, he looked like somebody just kicked Susie Wolf in the back of the head it just it oh. just wasn't it just it, it just wasn't a good look at all just poor guy because um, you, you haven't you, seen that since Austria do you remember Austria yes oh yeah the Austrian Grand Prix yeah, yeah. that that. Well, that, that, uh, to be fair, that was more like a sort of no, please don't get into fun. Oh, for fuck's sake, yeah. guys! 
Why'd you have to crash into each other? This was more like a, oh. <laughs> like, yeah. Toto, Toto Wolf in Crisis always, like, he knows what to do, but he's never happy about it. No, no. He's a Terminator. What do you expect? Uh, but uh, Well, he can't be a robot because he shows emotion in terms of crisis. <laughs> A, a lot of emotion, yes. That's actually very fair now I think about it. But uh, I swear I will not kill my computer. <laughs> yeah, like like that Ricardo Verstappen fight, it reminded me a lot of um, Weber and Vettel during Multi-21, and I, I'm glad that Weber referenced it when he, he did the podium interviews afterwards. It was about the funniest thing Weber's ever said or done in his, in his life. Um, because he, like For once, he didn't mention the V10 era, but I, I was very impressed by that. But it... it, it it, it was incredible. Like, if anyone remembers 2013 and like coming out of the pit lane, how those two were pretty much wheel to wheel until turn six. That's pretty much what it was like between Ricardo and Verstappen. Great, great drivers, and of course, like you know what I love about this king. Red Bull get really smug about these moments. Like, even oh yeah, though, like, when, when they win against. I mean, when they win a. Against the quote unquote odds over the past two seasons, they get really, really smug. Like, Especially not- like their Twitter accounts. The smugness is just, uh. Yeah, they're disgustingly smug. Like, the like, I remember, right? Like, not only, right, has, did, did Horner come out today and say that, oh, he felt like he could, and I quote, trust his drivers to race each other, uh, hence the fight <laughs> they had. They took credit for, for, for Hamilton's engine blowing up. They were like, oh, well, we're. Well, we pushed him into having Hamilton go all out on his engine, and that's what caused it to blow I'll up. Give over. Yeah. <laughs> that was Dr. Marco. That was Marco saying straight up, yeah, we think we forced Hamilton into that engine blowout. And I'm like, you were 20 seconds behind it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just... This just reminds me of a, a random thing from when I was at Brands Hatch on Sunday. I was at uh, uh, one of the merch stalls and they were selling old uh, like F1 gear and merch and snapbacks and stuff. And I found a small pile of Daniil Kvyat Red Bull snapbacks oh. with number 26 on them. And I was half tempted to pick one up and be that guy. <laughs> Never forget. Motorsport hipster. <laughs> as, as someone quipped who I was with, it was like, That'll be Max Verstappen's pile of caps in a few years. (laughs) I mean, admittedly, Daniel Ricciardo did put him in his place. Yes. Mm. Teach these young boys a lesson. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. Again, tremendous fight. Highlight of the Grand Prix. One of the best on-track highlights I think I've seen all season with that Ricciardo Verstappen fight in the middle of that Grand Prix. Verstappen didn't quite have the legs, unfortunately. He, he kind of lost that because of the last round of pit stops. Um, Verstappen had to be double stacked, and that's pretty much what cost him the win, really, because once they were back on the same rubber, their pace was practically... He was also on slightly older tires for a little while, exactly. wasn't he? Exactly, so the pace was practically identical. Verstappen never really had a chance. His best shot was when he was in DRS range, and it just didn't quite happen there. Again, fair play to them. Tremendous racing between the pair, but obviously Red Bull, first 1-2 finish since 2013. We all remember that season. Um, again, Daniel's first win in over two years, if his fourth win of his career, and of course, Nico Rosberg finishing third. King, are you starting to believe? 23 points with five rounds to play for. Are you well, to <laughs> yeah, like I, I'd probably like br- briefly run this down. Like twenty three points with five to go. Uh, it's still not, not a. Really, it, it? It's not a win in hand. Like I, I think over here in the states, we have a term in baseball called um, the magic number: the amount of yes. wins you need to get into the postseason. And I think if I had to give Rossberg a magic number to win the championship, I'd ha- probably have to say at least 35 points, the amount of points you would need to have to, like, bleed second places to Lewis Hamilton. 
Yeah, I mean, mathematically, let's, let's, let's do the math here real quick. 25 for a win, 18 for second, five rounds to go, five times seven is 35. So he's not quite in the, it's out of Hamilton's He probably would need one more he win, needs, surely. He needs, yeah, he needs one more win and then to come second in the rest of the race for him to win the championship. Yeah. Hold on, Katie, very good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Stop hitting those maths. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> because that magic number is going to get small real quick. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's only 125 points on the table. Remember, no double points finale obviously so um oh, that's such a shame i really love that you know <laughs> tell me that was sarcasm <laughs> oh, oh God, yes, yeah, yes. The, the, sar- <laughs> the sarcasm was on level 11 <laughs> man trust me you're talking to a nascar head in here who's had to deal with the freaking chase for the last 10 years yes, <laughs> don't, yes. Even, don't even step to me about double points at the final round oh. but can we talk about just how pivotal Rosberg still finishing third despite the penalty was because can we talk about the penalty first what are people's thoughts on this and I really hope like literally like this is one of those places where you can have a different opinion but if your opinion isn't the penalty was bollocks like kind of wrong Crofty was hilarious because (laughs) Crofty was delusional because like him and the Sky F1 Twitter community were adamant that that penalty was too lenient and I'm just what? oh my what? god <laughs> because it's Rosberg that's all it was if yeah, it was Hamilton like, burning the place down like he should be like, given driver of the day in the championship immediately like because if, if hashtag blessed penalize Rosberg's pass on, on Kimi Raikkonen you might as well just make overtaking illegal at this point yeah. It was a great move. Hang it around the outside at turn one. Stick it right in on the inside. You see him right on the brakes. I've watched it. I've got it right in front of me. I'm watching it time and again. It's brilliant. And I don't think even Raikkonen had a problem with it, did he? No, he didn't. He didn't yeah, say he didn't anything, say anything about it. He didn't say anything no. about it. And, you know, again, like Raikkonen's a diplomat. He doesn't, he doesn't normally go out of his way to make those kind of comments unless he's really hacked off about something. But... For me, yeah, I'm in total agreement. That was a horseshit penalty. I'll be the first person to tell you that. A 10-second tyre penalty for that. It's even worse than the five-second tyre penalty he got in in Germany for Verstappen turning on him. And I thought that that was crazy. Like, Like to me, it almost feels like Hamilton complained about bad luck with engines and that. (laughs) I feel like Rosberg's bad luck this season has been with stewarding calls. Because stewards don't like him at all. The the stewards hate him. Like, like, it's like, if anybody else does the aggressive move, it's like, no, 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 we can't have this. Rain this shit in. Like, like, I, I, I find it amazing is that it's like I, I can't believe I'm agreeing with Mark Webber here, but he's, he, he's, he said straight up, if there was no contact, there, would, there wouldn't even have been questions on that penalty. The only reason they've looked into it because there was contact between them. And it, I go back to Hungary, right, where Verstappen and Reichen made contact during that race as well, and there was no penalty for either man. So what warranted this one being worth 10 seconds? I think... Anyone? Oh, God. Reichen like, got no the, damage. He wasn't even forced off the track. No? Like, if I had to, like go back into the book of things that happened earlier this season, it would probably be down to that qualifying session where Nico Rosberg set a fast lap during double yellow conditions. And then Lewis went to go complain about it in the Stewart's office. I forgot he did that. Yeah. 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 yeah the same. 
Like, as... Mind you, do you remember a couple of years ago when Hamilton kept thinking he was getting penalised by the Stuarts? So he went, and I think he spoke to like Lee McKenzie, yeah. and he said, maybe it's because I'm black. Like, that <laughs> oh, was, oh, my God. Yeah, that was 2011, I believe that yeah, was. Yeah, McLaren. Oh, my God. That, that, was, State of that was 2011, and that set off the blood feud between Hamilton and Massa <laughs> for the rest of the year. Good job, bro. Good job. I remember that. Yeah, Singapore. Oh, good, good job, bro. Good job. That's how you win world championships. That's what he said to, to Hamilton that day. Uh, unfortunately, Massa was more right than he realized. Uh, yeah, that, that, that's that's one of the moments that you know Lewis Hamilton rather not have in his career highlight reel. Yeah, that was season for Hamilton was like basically a mental breakdown for the second half of the oh. season. I think Hamilton and Massa hit each other six times that season. His most positive contribution to that season was crashing into Button in Montreal and setting up the epic that was. Yes. Sorry yeah. to trigger, sorry to trigger yeah. you there, Dre, but still. Ah! <laughs> Can we just get back on a, a slightly serious point with this discussion? Mm. I remember earlier in the season we talked about how, uh, to me, it felt like Nico Rosberg really had a, a bit more of a kind of. Met- I, I sound like a Sky Sports analyst talking about his mental game, yes. but like I feel like he has more sort of steel this season. Like he's toughened up a little bit in terms of like he's been a lot more clinical when maximum points have been on the table. He's generally taken them. He's taken the fight a lot more to Lewis in head-to-head uh, contests rather yes. than, you know, at the end of last year, we saw him get kind of bullied out of the way a few times at Kota and Suzuka and that. Um, <clears throat> you know, he's really capitalised whenever Hamilton's had an off day. He's minimised a lot more the damage when um, Hamilton's had good days. Mm. And we always talked about you know, winning it on your on your weakest day. And this, to me, really felt like it. There's been some moments where he, it, it's almost like the way he's driven, the way he drove that pass with Raikkonen really was a case of, out my way, I need every single point on the table. You're not stopping me. And that was re- it was really authoritative, and I, I was impressed by it. So, And then to have your engineer go, yeah, you've been penalised 10 seconds for that completely legit move. For him not to just go, I quit, and just like throw his steering wheel out and just rage quit, <laughs> and just, just stay in the... Oh, that's what I do. That's like, probably why I'm not like, an F1 driver. Yeah, um, I, I, he probably knows not to do that from experience, because you could tell he reads his Twitter mentions. He, he He's highly <laughs> tuned to what fans tweet at him. Yes. Like I've always liked how he he has such an openness with the fans, even when they're giving him nothing but shit. Yes. And I just love the fact that even with that penalty in the back, he just went, "What? Well, I've got to be ahead of Raikkonen by ten seconds, okay?" And he just did it. Yeah, like this could be a really, really pivotal moment in the championship battle. Indeed, I mean, bookie bookie talk here, one on one here, but the the world title odds have completely switched around now. Like before the race, <laughs> Rosberg was six to five. He's now eight to fifteen to win the world title. <laughs> Hamilton was 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 one to two. He's now six to four. So basically, the bookies are now all in on Nico Rosberg. Basically, from here on in, so they, they they think it's going to happen, King. They 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 think it's going to happen. I think, and I think it's it's got to the point where even a lot of British and kind of neutral fans kind of wouldn't mind Rosberg finally getting it because hey, he's had enough of the shit the last few years, and maybe the Sky narrative is starting to backfire. Two more wins. Two more wins, uh, and it says yeah, there was um a post on Sky's Facebook page or something and the amount of comments that have got thumbs up of people saying, look, I'm a Lewis fan, I have been for so many years, but Sky, you need to stop and like painting Nico as such a bad guy. He's a good guy. Yeah. He's, you that's, know, this and that. That's the thing, Scott, and, go on. Yeah, no, I was just going to say, lots of people, I think, have maybe even been put off by Hamilton yeah. and yeah. maybe his, his lifestyle, although they call him a superstar and think, you know, he is the the best driver in F1 and he's you know painting a, a good picture for the sport and stuff people his fans are getting tired of it mm. 
Bye. It's almost like Sky F1 have been desperate for Nico Rosberg to be the heel for the yeah, last I, few years, I, and he I, just I, hasn't taken to it. I, I think the old Sky trick of painting a driver's personality in for them has stopped mm. working because people know who Nico Rosberg is now. Like 2013 and 2014 was fairly easy because before then he was just the other driver at Mercedes besides Schumacher. And before that, he was just that, you know, young guy at Williams. Now people know who he is. You can't just paint him as a villain because people won't believe that anymore. It's not, belie- yeah, it's it's not, not like, it's not it's not like 1994. It's not like 1994 where it's like, oh, the plucky Brit Damon Hill and that dastardly German Michael Schumacher taking him out in the final round. It's not, it, it isn't that anymore. Stop trying to make it that. It, it, when, you, when you've done nothing but put the focus and kick a guy down for Sky for the last three years in Nico Rosberg, you're going to get to a point of no return where fans are going to start mm. to see through it and realise, wait, is he really all that bad? Until you realize, I really felt no, like that after Singapore, that's where it started to turn around because people went, no, 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 give Nico credit. That was a really, really good race from him. Yeah, like- yeah or, or, you know, Sky basically turned Nico Rosberg into an enemy of no consequence or in wrestling terms terms a jobber where it's like if lewis beats him no one's gonna care and if lewis loses it's the end of the world exactly and before we move on real quick i want to mention just how annoying was lewis hamilton's comments post race oh (laughs) that was graham rahal levels of salt right there like even graham rahal sat at home like damn man i wouldn't even throw my own team under the bus like that jesus christ man that's salty uh (laughs) but uh like it's for those guys that don't know what I'm talking about, after the race, he immediately spoke to Lee McKenzie, and he said, and I think the quote was, there's eight Mercedes cars in the field, and I'm the only guy this happens to. And Someone doesn't want me to win. Yeah, someone, whether it be the higher powers that be, somebody doesn't want me to win this title this year, says oh the God. reigning three-time world champion. But um, it's it. I, I was really annoyed by this, and there's a Dre brief coming up on this. It might already be out by the time you listen to this episode. But there'll be t- I mean, me talking about this, but I have gotten sick and tired of Hamilton's passive-aggressive nature towards his team because he did this before. At Russia, we talked about this. Like he did this before at McLaren. Yeah, he did it. Before, he did it before at McLaren. He's done it now at, at Mercedes now because he did it earlier this year at Russia, where he kind of threw his team under the bus, then had to go and backtrack on his Facebook page afterwards. And he did the exact same thing again yesterday, where he you know he he, he says, "Well, why is this only happening to me? It doesn't feel right with these engine failures." And then the same day, he's putting out statements on his Facebook page saying, "I have one hundred percent faith in my team." No, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't. If that's your first reaction after an engine goes, you clearly don't. Yeah, but but he knows he has to say that because if he doesn't, uh, it's going to eventually get to the point in terms of fan relations that Mercedes has to issue an official press release saying that it isn't a conspiracy. They already did. Like David Coulthard's having to make columns for The Telegraph going, why do people believe his comments? They were clearly heat at the moment. I've got the quote right here. He says, my question is to Mercedes, we have so many engines made for drivers... Uh, and it's the Daily Mail, so my iPad has completely rejected it as if to say, why are you going on the Daily Mail website? Basically, he said, I demand answers because there's of the eight engines in the field, it's it's only ever mine that's going. This is unacceptable. As if almost like in one fell swoop, right, here's the rest of the quote. We have so many engines made for drivers, but mine are the only ones failing. Someone needs to give me answers because this is not acceptable. We are fighting for the championship and only my engines are failing. It does not sit right with me. So... On the one hand, he's throwing his team under the bus, and on the other, there's a slight hint of conspiracy. 
Exactly. Like, it always sounds oh. like he's accusing them of conspiracy. And it's, it's like, even, even though he's the one playing up to the Sky F1 narrative, oh, they're favoring the German driver. Like, like <laughs> even though the narrative from technical ep- experts is the complete opposite, where most technical experts believe that the reason why Lewis experiences so many failures is that he's not as knowledgeable on the technical side as other drivers, and he actually drives the power unit too hard. Have we forgotten his, his little steering wheel calamity in Baku? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. my God, yeah. Oh, yeah, I completely forgot about that. Yeah, just throw that out there. And do you remember when he did the, he said the exact same thing during the Russian Grand Prix? Yeah. And, and that forced Mercedes into writing their own lengthy. And honestly, I felt so bad reading that statement after the Russian Grand Prix. Where it was like, like, you can tell that the Mercedes social media team are really nice people. <laughs> and, and they got a little bit sassy during their race, because like, like, I think they called it the Flower Ranging World Championships yeah. towards the end of that race. Woo! Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. sass, sass. World-class levels of sass from Merckx there. But it's it's irritating that this, like, with Lewis, this just keeps happening where he's being so passive-aggressive in how he talks about his team. And, like, whenever whenever Nico gets first choice on pit strategy, who's the first person you hear piping up? Lewis. <laughs> Every time. Every and time. like you can, if it's like you can, I mean, part of it, you can be like, oh, well, that's the attitude that makes him a world champion. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, you, Lewis, like, you know, the rules here, it's not new. It's a bit like, you know, in football, people always say like, oh, why do managers defend the players? Because that's the number one rule. You don't throw your own players under the bus post-match. You go in the changing room and you have that chat with him behind closed doors. Yes. So Hamilton, if he's frustrated about engines, he goes to he should go to Toto Wolf and say that behind closed doors. You don't immediately go to Lee McKenzie and question, go, question. someone doesn't want me to win. Question. When Nico Rosberg's engine blew up in Monza and then around later in Russia, his throttle linkage gate gave out, costed him 50 points and any chance <laughs> of the title. Did Rosberg complain to the press about his team? No. no. Not once. Just, just throwing that out there. Just, I'm, I'm just saying. Like, and mentions message to Lewis Hamilton. If you're going to keep throwing your team under the bus, don't forget that's the team that saved your middle of the road career after 2012. Just, just throwing that out there. The team that the team that you've won 29 Grand Prix with in the last four years. Yeah, yeah. his career could have been like a carbon copy of Fernando Alonso. <laughs> yeah, he could have been the guy. Honestly, I swear to God, if he, if, if like 2008, he was fortunate in the sense of Felipe Massa had like horrendous luck on the run in, in that 2008 season that Hamilton directly benefited from. We all know how he won that title with Timo Glock. His car turned into a bumper car on the final lap. It, it wouldn't be inconceivable to say that Hamilton could have easily gone until 2014 without a world title. What would the British press have been saying by then? He's the great guy that's never going to win a world title. He'd be the new Sterling Moss. <laughs> it's amazing how these things turn out. So, you know, I find it annoying that a guy that a guy is that petulant when he doesn't realize how frigging good he has it, that he's got a dynasty underneath him that are working super hard to try and keep to try and get him a, a shot at the title one of the most dominant f1 platforms of all time yeah the, the most dominant cars we've ever seen and oh one more thing i want to mention <laughs> when it comes to the last four years they've been together rosberg and hamilton and mercedes the amount of technical did not scores that have happened at mercedes since then the four years they've been together lewis hamilton four nico rosberg eight End of discussion. <laughs> End segment. Drop the mic. Yeah. Mic drop. <laughs> I'm not dropping my pen. 
That's my favorite. <laughs> there it is. But uh, one more little bit of F1 news to get to before we move on to Formula E. And uh, oh, it's good news for you, all you Checo fans out there. Hello, John. <laughs> <laughs> All one of them, obviously. Uh, Me. Yeah. Johnson, Johnson, your boy's staying for next year. <laughs> hey, he's finally sorted his contract out. Like, I, I read this news because um, a few days earlier he was saying about how if it hadn't got sorted by Japan, he was going to look elsewhere. He was muttering about Haas, and I'm like, I'm actually kind of cool with this. But of you are. <laughs> I think all along, like, with no seats opening at Ferrari, Red Bull, or Merck anytime soon, he's not really going to get it any better. And I think, to be honest with you, it may have been an Alexander Rossi-style tactic. Maybe he had that contract on the table from Force India all along, but was just stalling to see if anyone else took an interest. And he must have just gone, uh, nah, you know what, nah, I'm staying I, here. I don't know. Like, Sergio <laughs> Perez has a history of being indecisive when it comes to signing contracts. Yes, it's true. I mean, if you guys don't know the story, last year he was going to go to Renault, but then uh, on the 11th hour, he changed his mind to stay with Force India when his website already had the Renault graphics ready to go for 2016. <laughs> and he changed his mind at the last minute to, to, to uh, instead stay with Force India. So he's, Thank Christ he didn't, because he's actually having the best season of his career this year. Absolutely, absolutely. He's, 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 he's four points off his 2015 total with five races still to go. I mean, I, I know that Renault... Renault is, you know, the big carrot as a factory team here right now, but they are so far behind where Force India... Force India are the legitimate fourth best team in F1 right now. They're the best of the rest outside of the, you know, the big three factories we know of, of Red Bull, Ferrari, and Mercedes. Force India is legitimately the fourth best team now, and Perez is killing and it. And Perez and Hulkenberg, they've actually got a really good, solid driver lineup over oh, there. Oh, they've got an excellent driver partner over there. I mean, Hulkenberg, he's not the spectacular guy. He's not going to get you the podiums, but he's a good point stuffer. He will get you points every round if if the car is solid um perez again has just just has this uncanny knack of being at the right place at the right time i mean look at monaco yeah it's, it's, it's seven podiums speaks volumes about that in his career but uh it's force india keeping their lineup that's an excellent lineup going forward their car is excellent and there's one thing i've learned over the last two years is, is that never write off force india like every, no. every time we we get cynical about their progress and how well they're doing they find wonder about to run out of money maybe yeah. or you know they they, they <laughs> They find a way to get back. Like I said, for 18 months ago, this team looked like it was in a, it was a disaster area. The 2015 car wasn't ready. They were they couldn't pay their engine supply. They couldn't pay Mercedes their engine supplier money. Their chassis wasn't done. They didn't debut their B spec car until the British Grand Prix halfway through the season, and yet they finished fifth overall. And this year they're even better. They're fourth overall and they're beating Williams. They're now the top independent team in the sport. That's huge. So you know, Force India, props to them. They're doing a tremendous job. King, talk about your boys at Renault. So uh, Perez is now off the table. What next? <laughs> Where are you going? Oh, God, <laughs> Perez is off the table. Uh, Jolian Palmer got his first point in F1. Jolian Palmer has promised that he'll be better next year. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> if he gets that chance. <laughs> and Red Bull have already vetoed any move on Carlos Sainz Jr. <laughs> oh, so that's off the table. So no Carlos Sainz either. Oh, no. Yeah. You ain't got shit left there, King. <laughs> I love Carlos Sainz's statement, though, where he says, like, I'm I'm so glad that um, Renault are, were interested in me, but I'm even happier that Red Bull wanted to keep me. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's a good sign, right? <laughs> it's like, just in case something goes belly up at Red Bull, if Max Verstappen crashes into another, another Ferrari, we have Carlos Sainz on deck, ready to go to replace him by the next round. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I like, if I had to say Renault... Signing someone, I'd probably have to say Esteban Ocon. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll have a quick um, early jab into the uh, into the mailbag here because um, Andy Graham over at, at Tigercart was asking, where do you think Ocon will end up next season, Manor or Renault? So I'll, I'll post one to you, King. <laughs> uh. I mean, I'd probably say Renault because they have they have a higher ceiling in terms of performance because oh. Renault could like, you know, hypothetically win a championship while Manor, they they that that's unrealistic. That, that kind of never expectation does not exist. Yeah, never going to happen. At least with a factory team, you know, if they find some innovation or something that will take them forward, they'll they have a shot of winning. Manor, like Mercedes are never going to let Manor win anything. So, yeah. you know. Like at, at Manor, the best hopes you have is like maybe getting some discounts on some Airbnbs. <laughs> yeah, when, when you look at it like that, I guess that's a very good thing indeed. But uh, yeah, shout out to him. Also. I want to give a shout out to Luke Julian in the mailbag. Another quick early question before we get into the, into the depths of it later in the show. I'm going to pose this to all four of us. Who wins Uh-oh. the driver's championship? Rosberg or no? Hamilton? You didn't ask that question. <laughs> Five That's rounds to go. Marcus. Rosberg plus twenty three. Who wins the title? Go on, Lee first. <laughs> who was who that? Anybody? Oh. Oh god! Rosberg. Go on, King. Go on, King. Take take your boy. You know you want to take your boy here. Go on. Go yeah, on. I just I'm, said, I'm picking Rosberg. Yeah, Johnson just yeah. picked Rosberg. Katie, I would like Rosberg to win it, but whether he will or not, I don't know. But I'd like him to. Hmm. Like, is that ducking the question? Uh, it's uh, like the logical side of me is still really just on the fence. It's still yeah. because I think we've seen every bit of misfortune and things happen to Rosberg over the last few years. Yeah. yeah. Like if he has a run like as we talked about earlier with Russia last year with the throttle problem, it's it could be all over again. Mm. Indeed, there's still five mm. rounds to go. There's like it, it's still one mechanical retirement away from the whole season turning on its head again, basically. And if, I think the next the next mechanical DNF, if it happens, could be a kill shot, basically for that person's hopes at the title. Well, yeah. not necessarily because if Rosberg has a DNF, it would just mean instead of being twenty three points up, he's two points down. And would you, would you give Rosberg a chance at minus two? Uh, minus two, anything could happen. That's the scary mm. part. When anything mm. could happen, it's... You have, you have wiggle room at 23. Yeah. You've probably got two, maybe three races of wiggle room there. Like I said it before, I think Rosberg's magic number is two. If he can win two out of the last five, I think he'll win the title. Yeah. That will take him to 11 wins for the year, and that's to how many Hamilton had when he won the title in 2014. So... You know what? I'm going to say Hamilton just to mess with some heads. <laughs> Ham capers heads around the world are exploding. Yes. It's like, wait, Dre just picked Hamilton to win the title still? <laughs> you know what? I might actually go online and put and put the last £10 in my Sky account on Hamilton to win the title at 6-4. to oh, Are you really going to put 10 quid on this? I might just do it. Put my money where my mouth is. It's, it's, it's either that or I start swearing again. <laughs> I've got to use this money for something. <laughs> I might just do it. I'll see, I'll, I'll see what happens. I might do it on Friday when, when the episode goes out or something. But uh, yeah, that'll just about do it for Formula One talk. Let's get into the Formula E season preview. <laughs>
let's let's cut straight to the chase here. Let's talk about the breaking news that came through this morning. King, pop the champagne. Mercedes is coming to Formula E. Well, well, they've signed a contract to have an option to join Formula E. Brackets, kind of, maybe, possibly. <laughs> so they're kind of hedging their bets a bit. Yeah, it's like it, it's there if they want it. Yeah, I think they're going to try and have, instead of 10 teams, have 12 teams, and they've reserved one of these slots for Mercedes if they're interested. Ah, I see. So they're, they're, like, I, I'm not surprised the series is trying to expand because they've been trying to do that from day one. And, um, I, I mean, obviously great news to have a Mercedes, uh, obviously to have a factory of Mercedes caliber potentially joining or just them obviously showing interest at least and having a spot available if they want it in two years' time is is awesome. I mean, obviously we've got Jaguar coming in this year, um, BMW showing interest, Audi's now going to be officially giving factory support to the app team. Lucas Degrassi is still doing backflips as we speak, saying maybe I can finally win a world title, kind of. Um, but uh, at the same time, I mean, Katie, this is obviously just great news for the series to have Mercedes even showing obviously active interest in getting involved. Yeah, I mean, we've like you said, there are lots of constructors this week have shown an interest into Formula E, BMW, as you said, and Audi um, are up in their involvement in it. Um, but there's sort of two ways you can look at it. You can either be well, really gladly that we're glad Mercedes are coming into the sport, or you can just say that, well, they're only really showing an interest into Formula E because long-term, their road cars are probably going to be more based, like electric-based, and they're just going to use the series to plug their road cars. That's all they're going to do, just the same as they do on the F1 track. So, As, as, as they say in motorsport, what's, what wins on Sunday sells on Monday. And I mean, that's that's been the mantra since, like, day one of motorsport in, like, the 1800s. The only reason why motor racing exists is to sell cars. Yeah, in the same way, like... Like I still remember the story of when Josh Brooks won the BSB title last year. Yamaha sold out of R ones the next week, so you know it's it, it works. It genuinely works. But I mean, for, for I mean how many Honda Civic? How many Honda Civics do you see in this country with Team Dynamics <laughs> badges on? Them, clearly, like we could be talking about a potential future where Formula E has six factory teams. I don't know any other series that has six factory teams. That's like British teams. Touring Cars Super Touring in the 1990s. Yes, that's crazy. That, that, that would that would be ridiculous. And can I ask a question though? And I, I ask this fully in the knowledge that I am the Philistine here, who isn't as hot on Formula E. I just don't follow it as much. Caveman. Um, <laughs> shut up! I like my V8s. Um, like, but. I just want to ask about this, and I guess this is mostly pitched uh, yourself, Katie. Are these, because I've heard, particularly from BMW who are, who are joining, a lot of the big manufacturers' concerns were about the relevance of the tech in Formula E to road cars, and particularly the whole, well, the fact you've got to change a car mid-race doesn't really help the whole thing of range anxiety in real-world electric cars. Is it a case of these manufacturers are knowing something behind the scenes that we don't, or is there... Or are they kind of hedging their bets going, hopefully development will have gone that way by the time we join? Well, uh, there's an announcement the other day with McLaren to supply a new Formula E battery. um, And McLaren hope to have created a battery. That means that we won't have to have this stupid, and I think it's stupid, changing of of race cars throughout the race. I mean, if if you're trying to explain it to someone, like someone explained to my dad, for example, he completely thinks Formula E is stupid. Mm. And... 
you know, you're trying to explain it to him, and he's like, yeah, but they change cars mid-race. and It's the killer, fly, isn't it? It's the Achilles they heel. They fly around the world in these massive cargo planes and deliver all these, yeah. I think it's 40 cars. If you've got 10 or 20 drivers, 10 teams, that's 40 cars they drag around with them. Um, and he said, you know, like, you've almost sort of lost me there, the fact they use two cars. Mm. So if we can get this battery that they want to bring in for the 2018-2019 season then hopefully that will be huge for the sport. And maybe when Alejandro met Toto Wolf, um, he said, you know, this is something we're bringing in. And that was why BMW and um, Mercedes have shown such an interest of recent. Mm. And uh, I mean, is it a case of the battery is going to be able to last a race distance or be quicker to charge? I assume um, the I, former. I'm, I'm hoping, yeah, that they um, they want it to last a race distance. They're That'd saying... So, yeah, uh, Motorsport Director of McLaren Applied Technologies said that our new battery will almost double the energy storage, eliminating the need for drivers to swap cars during the race. Fabulous. Yeah, I mean, that's the big thing with electric cars, isn't it? That's what's going to get them over with the general public. About It's about range. You know, people just don't believe you can go as far in an electric car as a petrol one. So, I mean, be, oh, be- I mean, range anxiety is probably as old as time because i think uh back to my keeping it 101 segment back to that you know first race in new york city uh, a lot (laughs) of the people feared that the race was too short at only 52 miles because people wanted to see how far a car could go because people felt more confident that horses can travel further wow (laughs) like range anxiety is is always a thing Yeah. It's always happened. I think it's just a human nature thing to just not want to be stranded. And this is another reason why I love King on this show. <laughs> Trust me, just He's the guy to go back into the- Yeah, he is the historian. And I, I, I always find it funny when sometimes I'll go, oh, because it's always been this way, like blah, blah, blah. And I'll just hear King sort of go, let me school you right there, son. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, oh, he's the, I have to call him, he's the well actually guy at this point. Yeah. <laughs> he's kind of like our John Boyce. Yes, pretty much. <laughs> That's why we're looking at, well, actually, yeah, yeah, this is what, this is what we're really talking about here. But yeah, I mean, again, McLaren being the battery supply, I mean, they only just beat out Porsche because I know Porsche were trying very hard to get it in there. And, and that's mostly because Porsche are dabbled in, a, in electric tech themselves. I mean, if anyone's seen the Porsche 918, their, their top of the range hypercar, they've bragged about that they can do 25 miles on on the electric motor on its own it's fully regenerative hybrid isn't yeah, exactly. it exactly it's a fully regenerative hybrid that. it can do 25 miles on its own and it's a car that just happens to have 885 horsepower so, now that's renewable technology yeah. i can get behind <laughs> yes well, exactly. well the thing is i think mclaren won out because they're they have the you know resume of being you know the <laughs> the spec ecu supplier to the gods where they supply everyone and their mom with spec ecus yeah. I mean, don't they do the dashboard work for NASCAR now? Yeah, and they, they supply they the, the ECU to, to NASCAR, where every Na- where every NASCAR stock car runs uh, McLaren operating systems. It, that, that, that I did not know. That is, I didn't know McLaren releasing themselves <laughs> out like that all, everywhere. That's actually really yep. cool. Um, I have no problem with that at all. That's actually very, very cool indeed. So let's have a quick rundown of some of the little changes you may have you may you may or may not have heard about going into season three. So here's a few rule changes for you. First of all, after last season's London debacle, the fastest lap is only going to be worth one point compared to two points in the previous two years. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, kind of a trivial point at this one, but we all saw what the, the total fast the final round of last year's champion. I mean, that was one of those classic examples of that's the sort of scenario. Like, if you pitched it beforehand, people would just go, "Well, well that's never going to happen, so we're never going to have to worry about that, are we?" <laughs> Literally two seasons in. Two seasons, yeah, pretty much. Lucas Degrassi and Sebastian Wemmy have a time trial to decide the championship, as you do. So yeah, the fossil that will only be worth one point this year compared to the two points it was in the first two seasons. The, the amount of regeneration will be increased. It's 150 kilowatts now compared to 100 in the first two years. Yeah, um, so cars have more power to spend, so they could spend, you know, more time on higher, you know, power. Yep, I would say maps. Yeah, that'll please those F1 purists who want all races to be pushing flat out 100% for yeah. the entire race because racing's always been like that, guys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so in other words, teams can be more aggressive now going forward, so that's definitely helpful. Maximum power output will still be 200 kilowatts for season three, but next season it will be 220 and then 250 in season five. So they are going to start increasing the power again very soon. Yeah, so uh, It was originally intended that this season would be the yeah. 250 season, but then they realized... Uh, uh, their batteries weren't, you know, large enough to make that feasible. Yeah, mm. not quite yet. Hopefully by season four, we'll get, we'll get that down. So again, the, the plan is to go to 220 for season four and 250 in season five. Come come, come, come in, Mercs. You know you want to come in and dominate. Yeah, more power. <laughs> come in, dominate. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was, I was looking at the responses, actually, when they uh, shared the Mercedes news. So the responses from Twitter have been, I can't wait for them to dominate in both Formula 1 and Formula E. <laughs> exactly. That's the same thing. That's the same thing. Yeah. I can't lie, I'm guilty on this one. Yeah. yeah. So many people, another sport to be ruined by Mercedes domination. Oh. And then um, somebody said, of course, because what BMW does, Mercedes has to follow close behind. Yeah. <laughs> um, good one. No, yeah. Another one says, if you can't hear the Formula E car, why watch it? I was like, oh, okay, then. Wow, the sound, <laughs> yeah. the, sound guy, the sound guy is back. He's, he's back from 2014. Yeah, and then one of my personal favorites there's an account um, that basically is support supporting Battersea Park. Obviously, Formula E oh, has Have you seen this account? Oh <laughs> God, state of this account. Yeah, Formula e, they don't like the fact that Formula E raced in Battersea Park, and they spent every opportunity slating Formula E for the damage in quotation marks, but it's done. So they responded, do Mercedes realise there is still a 300 square metre of ugly Formula E tarmac vandalising Battersea Park? Oh Hashtag God. vandalism. Oh, <laughs> well, you mean the Battersea Park that I was at four weeks ago and I didn't notice any remnants of the Formula E track there? I think that could be the one, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And and it was like, oh, yeah, how dare you come in here and repave our road? <laughs> <laughs> I'm oh, glad you needed it. Oh, that's pretty funny. Oh, but. I, did, I did not know that was a thing, and I, 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 unfortunately, I, I kind of wish I didn't at this point. These are the sort of people who probably move into a block of flats and then start complaining about loud music from the gig venue that's yeah. been there for the last 60 years. <laughs> uh, like, or maybe and, they stay and, like a pub or something. To, to the comments that Mercedes is going to come in and dominate, I'd <laughs> say, like, look at their DTM program, what, their last of the three manufacturers this season. Yeah. Like, Ooh, the SAS King. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I love <laughs> making the point that they just because they're dominating F1, that doesn't mean they're going to come in and boss Formula E. Yeah, yeah just <laughs> like how, you know, Renault basically, you know... Are one of, if not the best Formula E teams, and you know, look at their F1 program. 
Yeah, yeah exactly. Well, different horses for different courses, as they say. Um, other rule changes coming in. The overall weight of the car has been reduced from 888 kilos to 880. So the next less eight kilos less on the cars. So basically, a bag of sugar yeah, has been yeah, removed. More, yeah, more room to get a packet of crisps on board when 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 they're driving around <laughs> during during those inevitable full course yellows. Um, so yeah. Eight kilos coming off the cars. The maximal weight of the battery cells will increase from 200 kilos to 230. So more batteries, you guys. More <laughs> Gotta batteries. get that power in. Yeah, more batteries. So 30 kilos more batteries. That's the heaviest element of the car by a country miles. The batteries. So hang on a minute. Does that does that mean they've added 30 kilos of battery weight, but still the overall weight's gone down by eight? Yeah. Yes. So they've actually reduced it by 38 kilos. Yes. A net, a net loss, you could argue. Yeah, sure. Yes, there we go. Yeah, Michelin will provide the new tire for the series. Good for them. Um, it was like the <laughs> you want a sticker? Yeah, ho- 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 okay. <laughs> I hope they can get the uh, chubby man out to some more Grand Prix. But, uh, <laughs> oh, he's brilliant. That's yeah. what I'm saying. More people were interested in like the man in the inflatable Michelin suit than they were the EJ. The races, for sure. <laughs> I want to get a selfie with the Michelin man. <laughs> I've got to make that my mission this year. Yeah, I mean, down. Like Formula E cars are heavy. Just like for a comparison, like an F one car is what six ninety one kilos. Yeah, so it's like they're <laughs> my cars. This, this is the weight, including the driver as well. Yes. Yeah. How heavy are LMP1 cars? Ooh, I don't, I don't know. know. Now I have to look this up now because oh, I have oh, to. Fire up six. <laughs> Hang on a minute. <laughs> John- Johnson's on the chase. We'll go get to that in a minute. Also, I don't know if you guys have seen this yet, but there will be a new front wing with, and I quote according to Wikipedia, only cosmetic effects. <laughs> okay, it's not of looking course, so good. Okay, uh, the factory LMP1s have to be 870, 870 kilos. God, they're heavier than the LMP1s? Yeah, that's why F1 cars always like put up faster lap times, because they're more agile. Jesus Christ. But yeah, so it's, it's the king. Do you like the new front wings? Uh, yeah, it looks it looks really cool. Looks futuristic. Which I was going to say that. I like the designs as well, i got to say. I spoke to so many drivers at testing because it was sort of the first time we saw the cars with the front wings on and all of them just said that it makes the car look futuristic and that's what we hope to achieve with the series to look more futuristic. They didn't say it added any any extra speed or anything like that. Mind you, Donington isn't really representative of the street circuits they'll be racing on, but they said that it didn't really have any effect. It was more just the look. Yeah. I I like the look, so I haven't got... Yeah, I definitely like the look. I would like... The I would say lat, the first two seasons the car had, I actually liked the the demo electric car they ran, which was like an old Delaro retrofitted with a with a you know battery and electric motor over the first two seasons car. But I would probably put this season's car above the demo car. Yes. I, I, I'm inclined to agree with you on that one. So uh, before we go into the, into the calendar and the drivers, Katie, I've got to ask, what was the vibe you got from being down there at testing at Donington Park? I mean, I mean, I just wanted to get, just wanted to ask Katie, like, what was what was the vibe you had from being down there at testing at Donington Park? Because I know, you know, I think you were down there for all the testing, pretty much. Like, what was the vibe you were getting down there from the drivers, the cars? You know, how, like for season three in general, what kind of impressions did you make from being down there? Because obviously, I'm sure it was a lot to take in, but um, what, what kind of impression did they leave on you um, in terms of like, where um, the field is at right now? They're testing a lot of things, and as I said before, <laughs> nobody said, oh, racing at Donington is great. We get so much fantastic feedback. It's really representative of where we're racing. A lot of people that are going to Donington is 
make a little pointless. Right. Mind you, I know we'll be returning there next year anyway. There's talks that we won't be doing the pre-season testing or anything anymore. Um, everybody seems happy to be back in the Formula E cars. Mind you, that was how we do it. Of course. Everything's perfect. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, they had the Formula E published something to say that the new tyres they were testing were, were great and they had lots of good feedback. But then when I spoke to drivers... Same again, they said there wasn't really much of a difference testing these new tyres that they have. Um, yeah, I think most of the guys just seem to be happy to be back. Uh, yeah, that's what I can really say. Looking forward, lo- looking forward to, to season three in the calendar. A lot of the newbies I asked, they like the look of the calendar. Um, some of them hadn't really been to Hong Kong before, I think. Maybe Engel said he had been over to Hong Kong, so... Yeah, they they all seemed happy with the calendar, happy with the car. Translation, they didn't tell you a damn thing. So close that it's pressing up against their chest. Yeah, it's like no, 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 no. We're not telling this. We're not telling this media girl a damn thing. She's gonna she's gonna leak it out to everybody. We don't trust her yet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The only like half decent I got was when I spoke to DaCosta, and DaCosta basically said, "When I this, like, kind of suggested about me, all my DTM colleagues said, don't go there. It's crap. It's electric. <laughs> like, don't waste your time there." And DaCosta said that now a lot of people in DTM are asking him to find them a seat, which is quite interesting. Um. Yeah, so that, is that was sort of like a little scoop. And I have a few, a few interviews on Bifelt, but still to be written up, basically just about sponsors, really. But um, all right. I, th- I think I've mentioned this to Johnson every time s- some driver mentions that Formula E is crap. That time Johnson was uh, talking with Pippa Man, and Pippa Man said she would never race in Formula E because she doesn't drive slow race cars. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that was on the old Downforce USA show. That was pretty savage, yeah, right there. This but is coming. From I don't know. Like, I, I mean, I'm only going off playing it on Forza Six, which is really believable. <laughs> but I, I, I think secretly the drivers who go over there kind of enjoy driving the Formula E cars because they're almost like big go karts. Yeah, they they have the instant torque. They uh, battle on very tight street circuits. They kind of you can sort of feel like you can fling them around quite a bit and have a, a bit of fun with them. And you don't have to worry about breaking a winglet off because they are actually quite sturdy as mm. well. Mm-hmm. Very so I imagine for the drivers, they're actually quite fun to drive. Yeah, definitely. I can, I can see why people would think that. No, I, I can, I've, I've heard people tell me that before. I think, so, I think that's how Dario Franchitti described it when he tested the car mm. out. Um, so yeah, I can see that impression. So in other words, they ain't told Katie shit yet. But... Uh, <laughs> But let's let's have a look at the let's have a look at the calendar real quick for next year. Obviously, the season starts this weekend at Hong Kong. I, I can't wait for that. I mean, that's, I think that's a great place to open. It's it's it has to be an improvement on the Beijing box circuit that we went through the first two years, where it was basically just a box with chicanes. <laughs> so I'm really looking forward to Hong Kong. I know I know a friend of the show George Mullen is because I know he's he's from, he used to be in that part of the world. But yeah, I can't wait for Hong Kong to start up. Then there's a bit of a problem with this early part of the calendar I just do not like, and that's the fact that we have to wait so long between these few opening rounds. I think it's five. I think it's 34 days between rounds one and two. Between, wow! Between the opening rounds, really? yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's the same problem Formula E has. 
Yeah, that's when they just wow. wait until almost... you get to the gap you're set in the third round. Oh my god, it's like lifetime. Yeah, that's almost like the problem. Minute, but yeah, that's, that's uh, almost the problem. That's 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 Hong Kong and Morocco for their second round in Marrakesh. Another new addition to the calendar, Marrakesh. Still no confirmed circuit for that yet, by the way. Um, that's on November the twelfth. So thirty-four days between rounds one and two. So five weeks there, and then after November the twelfth for round two, the next round Three. is oh, in wow. February. <laughs> what? Yep. Oh, yeah. who wrote this calendar? Was it some of the people who used to do the IndyCar and V8 supercar calendars where even the drivers in V8 supercars would go, well, that was a great <laughs> round in Queensland. When's the next one? Oh, I'll see you guys in six weeks. Yeah, yeah it's like, about as pointless as World Superbikes having a two-month summer break in the middle of their season. It just deflates. Why, off. you just lose all momentum. Exactly. It's a bit like the IndyCar off-season. I, I get they wanted to be an off-season championship, but it's like most of their racing is done in the spring and the early summer. Exactly. It's exactly what you're trying to do. That's when that's peak racing season again, basically. So, yeah, 10 weeks between Marrakesh and Buenos Aires and Argentina for round three. So, Argentina moving up the calendar a little bit now, up into the into round three now. That'll be on February 18th. Then, again, with six weeks between that and Mexico, Mexico back on the calendar um, on April 1st, um, at uh, going back to the Autodromo Hermanos Rodriguez um, on April 1st, Mexico City. Please have a better day out by the time we come back because last year's was terrible <laughs> oh, God. hopefully we'll have we won't have drivers taking each other out this time <laughs> that, oh that my would God. help <laughs> I do remember actually that was one of the races I did watch and I remember state of the chicanes in that race mate yes <laughs> It, it was also it was all sorts of terrible and again six weeks between that and round five we're going back to Monaco um, Monaco back on the calendar for its first appearance in two years so we're going back to the is that the same layout they used before the butchered one yeah, yeah the cart yeah, circuit yeah. in Monaco yeah dang it dang it yeah that's back on the calendar that's six weeks off that on May 13th um, then we go back to Paris hopefully Katie Fairman doesn't get crushed to death this time around that's that's a that's a, that's a, that's a that's a back-to-back week, 13th and the 20th of May. So round six is a week after round five, because why not, right? Um, three weeks after that, we go back to Berlin for the Berlin Street round on, on June 10th. And then we go into the Muscles in Brussels uh, a month later. Um, still, again, still no confirmed circuit for that just yet. I'm sure they'll figure it out by... Jean-Claude Van Damme to be honorary star test, please. <laughs> Um, that will be on July 1st in 2017. And then the two double headers to, to close off the season. King get hyped for the Brooklyn Street Circuit on July 15th for the oh, double header. It's like, mm, I'm just still on the, on the edge ball. of my seat. This, this, <laughs> I, I, I won't believe that is happening until it actually happens. It's been 25 years since there's been a race in this city. It's going to be like the Boston IndyCar race. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, God. Don't say that. But um, the, the, the doubleheader in New York on July 15th and 16th, and then two weeks after that, the grand finale, which is now in Montreal. Like New York was originally slated as, as the closing round, but they've swapped New York and Montreal around. So the new Montreal street circuit will close out the year as the season finale. Another doubleheader there. Two races on July 29th and 30th. So, I mean, again, it's a cool-looking calendar. I like some of the new locations. They've got their, like, I love the idea 
idea of Hong Kong, another race in the Middle East, or was I say, should that really be Africa with a Grand Prix in Morocco? And you get uh, Montreal's always a popular place, obviously because of the F1 race. And they've got some cool places on here, King. But the distances between the rounds is going to be another problem, I think. <laughs> yeah, it's oh, it's it's going to be hard to keep that interest up to just just stay interested and to even know that Formula E even exists during those time <laughs> periods where it's almost like a month without racing. Okay, I gotcha. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's 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 not ideal to say the least, but you know, I guess you can't capitalize on the fact you want it to be a winter series, I suppose. But uh, that's the calendar going forward. Let's have a look at the grid for for um, for season three. And uh, normally this is the part where you get on a segue and you start rolling down the grid. My favorite part of any Formula E race weekend. Um, I, I do I do say on Twitter, release the segue every time it happens because it's just too <laughs> funny seeing a guy on a camera on a segue go down the grid. It's a uh, it's 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 great production value right there from from Liberty Media. Um, so running down the field, there's been some changes afoot up and down the paddock. We'll get through those. Um, at DS Virgin Racing. Uh, Sam Bird is still there in the number two car, but uh, John Eric Verne has gone to has gone to uh, T Cheetah and replacing him is three time World Touring Car Champion Jose Maria Lopez. Johnson is hyped. <laughs> I'm Touring hyped. Car. I'm hyped because he was almost USF One's driver. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, he was, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah, before they started designing toasters. <laughs> <laughs> As one does, as one does. Uh, Pachito, as, as, as he's very commonly nicknamed, uh, three-time World Touring Car Champion, will be over there in DS Virgin Racing instead of John Eric Verne. Next, they have Nio team there. Be, they've retained their lineup. Nelson Piquet Jr., the 2014-15 season champion, and Oliver Turvey alongside him. Uh, Venturi, um, Stefan Sarazan is still there, the race winner from Venturi as in the number four car. And in the number five car, he's got the new teammates. Maro Engel, King. <laughs> yeah, Maro Engel. I mean... Mm, it was a bit unexpected to see Engel in the series, but you know it's a pleasant surprise. Pleasant surprise. I've got I've got a little scoop about um, Engel in the series, actually. Go, go on, Katie. I, I, this, is, this is what we got you here for. <laughs> yeah. Well, as you may know, um, Venturi have brought on a new partner, ZF, mm-hmm. um, and being a German uh, a partner, one of their requirements was to have a German driver in the race team. Hence ah. why Engel was there. So that. See, it's funny how I quite, I know Engel most from his stint in VX Supercars, yes. where he kind of, he, he showed some promise, but you could tell he was uh, like, touring cars and especially V8 supercars is a tough place for debuting stars just ask Alex Premat and Robert Dahlgren and, and but he showed up. a bit of promise over there <laughs> but he's been certainly I've seen him a lot more in GT racing and he's been pretty good over there and I believe open wheel as well yeah like I mainly know Engel from his time in uh, British F3 when he raced at Carlin yeah. and correct I th- yeah ooh I think his best season was 2007 he was runner-up in the championship indeed he was yep 2007 he was runner-up in british formula three so yeah he's 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 done the rounds he's got a fair amount of experience i did not know that venturi had to have a german driver in the cast thanks a lot katie this is what this is where you kick ass right now that's very (laughs) very interesting indeed um so dragon racing now known as the faraday future dragon racing team because of their new um title sponsor team going forward they've retained their lineup of loic duval um ladies favorite and jerome d'ambrosio uh um, in, I like to call him the benefactor because he always wins on other people's disqualifications. <laughs> <laughs> 
in the six, <laughs> in the six and seven car. So like the Val and Jerome D'Ambrosio sticking around at uh, the Spark Penske Faraday Future Dragon Racing Team. Shout out to Elizabeth Worth on that one. Hi, um, if you're listening. But uh, of course, the the top contenders, of course, and reigning champions, the Renault Edams factory team. Of course, they've they've retained their very very strong lineup of Nicolas Prost and Sebastian Buemi going forward and King. Surely they're the favourites to beat this year again. Yes, <laughs> yes, my boys are destined to win in season three again. <laughs> yes. Um, did, uh, did, did you like the new livery? Oh, yeah, I love the new livery. I, it's always nice to see a French car in blue. <laughs> yeah, such a French fanboy. <laughs> oh, my God. But say, like, me, me and RJ were guys for these for Wipeout fans. I was like, rest in peace, Faisal livery. Because <laughs> it looked like a Faisal from the Wipeout games. Um, I liked the blue and yellow. But, yeah, I think their livery looks great as well for what it's worth. So I have no complaints there. So, of course, Edam's retaining their line of Nicolas Prost, who did, who did the double in London last year, but nobody cared because we had a time trial for the championship instead. And Sebastian Wemmy, the reigning champion, of course. And their main opposition is probably going to come from the at-Scheffler Audi Sport team, now with Audi Factory back in, of course. And, of course, their lineup retaining the number 11, Lucas Degrassi, two-time series runner-up. And Daniel Apt in the 66 cars. I'd call him the Twitter favourite, Daniel oh, Apt, because he was... God, he's on everything, isn't he? He's on Instagram. You post something, it's like, Daniel Apt, like, to your picture, and it's just too much, maybe. Yeah, my nickname, I'm going to call him social media whore, Daniel Apt, yeah. in that <laughs> Oh, my God. <laughs> you can't call him that. <laughs> yes, watch me. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah <laughs> I can't believe I just yeah our media year is definitely over isn't it yes. no. No, no more Formula E freebies my media, my media accreditation is going to be ripped up as we speak uh, Katie's literally just going to put on Twitter after the race the opinions of Motorsport 101 are not ones shared by the way don't tear up Katie's media pass okay she deserves better than us <laughs> She deserves better. It is our fault. We're dragging her down with us. We, we, you, you. I haven't said anything for the last half an hour. Shut up, shut up, shut up. But uh, yeah, Lucas Degrassi ended up staying around uh, at the Audi Sport team with, uh, with Audi back in. And I think King, it's fair to say, if, if Renault's going to get opposition, it's probably going to come from these guys again, right? Yeah, yeah, probably. Like, I hope they can, you know, put up a decent fight before they become a, like a full factory team next season. But let's let's hope they can sneak another driver's, like they can sneak a driver's championship out of this. Yeah, Lucas, maybe this is going to be your year instead. Because like Lucas is is such a good race. I think he still leads Formula E all time in race wins, um, but just has not been quite able to put it all together for a championship. The poor guy. Maybe this, maybe third time will be the charm for Lucas. Um, moving on down the field a little bit further, we have Mahindra and. I'd say one of the most exciting lineups out there. Um, they've, they've kept Nick Heinfeld in the 23 car, but in the 19 cars, I'd like to call him now, driver for hire, Felix Rockenfist is going to be in the number 19 car, King. And that's a great hire for Mahindra to get Felix Rockenfist, who's just yeah. killing it in everything he drives right now. Yeah, <laughs> Rosenquist was, you know, amazing in Indie Lights this year. I mean, a lot of people kind of had him had him pegged to move up to the big cars and indie car and it was you know a bit sad to see him like have to you know you know fulfill his requirements to race in DTM and then after that it's like yeah I'm gonna race in Formula E now guys he's everywhere so I call him driver for hire because he's just everywhere these days but uh 
Katie, did you did you bump into Felix anywhere during the testing? Like, did you get any word on how he's feeling down there? I did, but I didn't get to speak to him for very long because there was a wasp and he ran away. And I lost him and I never saw him again. So yeah, that was my um that was my experience with Felix. Yes. Oh dear. Hysterical, you think that he's racing these insanely fast cars yet he gets freaked out by a wasp. Yeah, he, he's so he's a bit like me. Yeah. Then. <laughs> you see, you about the you about the driving talents. <laughs> yeah, that's why I'm on a show with you, fuckers. <laughs> As you do, you, you fit right in, Johnson. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I said he. Hey, I've, I've seen you play Forza on a wheel. <laughs> Let's not talk about that. <laughs> but yeah, Rogovist in in the number nineteen car, very exciting guy. I mean, he looked very very good in testing. Indeed, he was often right at the top of the timing sheets. Well, definitely, I think, one to watch for next year. From what I've noticed, very popular on the fan boost as well, despite the, despite the fact that Lopez, I think, I think is number one right now, and he's, he's dominating yeah. the fan boost vote. But them WTCC fanboys, though. Yeah, Felix is in second at the moment in the fan boost. Like, you've yeah, got Lopez first, and then Wemby. Wemby's that popular? Jeez. Well, it goes 31% for Lopez, then mm. Rosenquist, who's... 24, and then Buemi on 9%, so it's quite a drive. Wow. But. <laughs> so over half the votes for, uh, for Lopez and, and, and Rock and Fist. I've seen a lot of fan boost votes for Rock and Fist and a certain Australian I'll get to in the next team. But, uh, um, yeah, I've seen a lot. Linda. Uh, yeah, Kiwi. <laughs> Kiwi, Kiwi, shit. <laughs> they, they, they don't like to be confused for each no, other, Dre. Right. <laughs> I was going to say, well done on losing the Antipodean audience. <laughs> yes, well, yeah, turned off. <laughs> That's like calling an Irishman English ring. That's that's very offensive to them. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, it happens. Okay, it happens. You know, I have Aussie and New Zealand friends, Dre. This isn't going to look good. <laughs> it happens, just like famous Australian Scott Dixon. Right now, oh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, one of the new boys here, Panasonic Jaguar. Yes, Jaguar is back as a factory racing. Team. Hang on, hang on. Yep. Are they driving? A Jag. Yes. They are Yes, they all awfully sorry. I appear to have failed a ride height inspection. Let me just go and warm up the Jag. Luckily for this Jag team, there isn't Bobby Rahal as team principal to run the team into the ground. (laughs) (laughs) Awfully sorry, we've accrued gambling debts from Bobby. Not gambling debts. What I'm on about. Bobby Bobby Rahal's run this team into the ground. We're just going to get the Jag. Johnson is drunk, everybody. Clearly, he's... he's, he's yeah, he's, you, you said you were making tea. We really know what it was. He, he, he was <laughs> spiking it with brandy, clearly. Exactly. <laughs> but, uh, Since when have I had brandy? Trey, you know me better than he's that. He's a whiskey <laughs> boy. <laughs> he's a whiskey boy. He likes his jack. He really does. Yeah, it was actually Woodland Reserve. Um, <laughs> break out the emergency bottle of jack. <laughs> But uh, yeah, it's like I was—I was going to make a Tom Hiddleston joke there because of all the famous Jaguar commercials. But you guys clearly had me covered on this one. But uh, oh, this, this is Team Bad Guy. Yes, it's like it's, it's, well, they've got Mitch Evans. I mean, geez. Oh yeah, they're they're, they're no, that's just your personal beef, to be real. Oh, to be, that, I, mean, I have a beef with Mitch Evans as well. I have a beef with everyone. In, oh, you do as well. In, in the Mark Webber Academy of you know young drivers who don't get a fair shot at anything, apparently. But, but in the meantime, yes, we we. we 
we've spoken about the Jaguar team. Obviously excited for them to be in there because they, you know, they all drive Jaguars. But uh, in the Jaguar I Type 1, in the 20 car will be everybody's favourite, he's not an F1 guy, Mitch Evans. Um, <laughs> who I've, seen, again, I've seen a lot of fan boost votes for Mitch Evans as well. So again, he's, he's a guy I think that could, that could come into play later on. All from your Twitter, Dre. Hmm? Yeah. All from your Twitter, the fan. Yes, fan boost votes. Well, they're hate votes. They're hate votes. I, I vote for Evans out of spite, <laughs> just to mess with his head. <laughs> Basically, no. Yeah, Mitch Evans. Is Mate, a- you've already you've already ruined Sage Karam's career via Twitter. Don't do it to another guy. What? I did not ruin Sage. I enhanced Sage Karam's career via Twitter. Thank you very much. <laughs> so you, you enhanced his career. What is he doing now, Dre? What is Sage Karam doing now? Um. Um, jumping into piles of snow in his racing suit? Yeah, he has no job because of you, Dre. Oh, shut up! <laughs> yeah, if you interview him, if we ever interview him on the show, we'll be like, Sage, um, are you, do you want to get back into racing? He was like, no, nah, I had a big uh, a big depressing dip. Was it the tragedy at Pocono? Was it being sacked by Jip Canassi? No, it was that twat Dre on Twitter. <laughs> I, I, I see how this is, everybody. I see how this is. Let's yeah. talk about Mitch Evans' teammate real quick, because, yeah, it's former A1 GP world champion Adam Carroll in the 47 car. Hey, oh, uh, Ireland represent. Yeah, Ireland represent, of course. <laughs> Even though they've got the Great British flag on Wikipedia, but, you know, it, it all counts. Wait, right? <laughs> yeah, we're claiming it, damn it. <laughs> I don't care. Northern Ireland, maybe? Yeah, Northern Ireland, technically speaking, but, yeah. Te- there you go. They, they still. It's like Colin Turkington runs with the British flag in uh, British touring cars. Yeah, so technically, I know McElroy doesn't in, in golf. I know he likes the Northern Irish flag. I know, like from playing his game PGA Tour, that he, he has the Northern Irish flag represented him. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Carroll's got the Great British flag, so good for him. He, he's one of us. We're adopting him now. In case Jaguar are actually any good, we can claim <laughs> Even him. Even though he won his A1 GP Championship with Team Ireland. Shut up. <laughs> we don't talk about that, King. <laughs> He flits back and forth across the border when he wants. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, King, it's a pretty strong-looking team. I mean, Mitch Evans, I mean, he's a controversial guy, but his speed's never really been under question. Uh, and, and Carroll, again, very experienced in his own right as well. It's a nice-looking team at Jaguar. Yeah, yeah. I, I really hope that he can develop that car better than the role of film. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I, I hope so. And again, maybe maybe Mitch will use this to, uh, to enhance his reputation because this is, is, and I quote, the real driver's championship. <laughs> in, in, like he said, to describe Formula E when he got his seat, to which I said, that's former GP2 title contender Mitch Evans. <laughs> so there you go. Um, I'm not salty about that at all. Uh, and so another one with the new teams is T-Cheetah. They are here in, in, the, in the Spark Renault car. The Renault is an E16 as well and they have big boy John Eric Verne in the 25 car to the, the big poach from uh, DS Virgin Racing so uh, all the French fangirls out there John Eric Verne is still here hooray and, and partnering him in the 33 car is uh, homeboy for Team Cheetah is Mark Wien Hart he, he makes a return after a couple of uh, Royal Card appearances last season so uh, King anything you want to say about this team before we move on real quick <laughs> like what did it take to lure a French driver away from the DST like uh, 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 I'm going to guess a whopping big paycheck that new investor money that's always that, good that money, King. Investor money it's like we, we need a star driver okay how much is it going to take for, to get John Eric Verne okay let me just write out this check <laughs> okay, we'll put all the zeros you want on it but, yeah, uh, like I'm not going back to F1 anytime soon might as well cash in some paychecks <laughs> cash, cash some checks in yep 
Did, did you ever hear the story, King, about what happened when friend of the show, Sarah Sarin, and met John Eric Verne? I think it was in Malaysia a couple of seasons ago. No, I when did he, not. When he, was in, when he was doing an autograph session and somebody somebody heckled from the background saying, how is it, how is it at Toro Rosso? When, when, when they asked Verne about it, you know what Verne's response was? What? At the top of his lungs, he shouted out, fuck Toro Rosso! <laughs> oh, <my God. laughs> Oh, Jeff. I love you, Jeff. Jeff is the man. I, I love Jeff. Okay? I, always knew I, liked that I always knew there was a reason I liked that guy. <laughs> yep, there it is. So you, you can tell. I think Jeff has no regrets over leaving Formula 1 now I think about it. So there you go. And uh, finally, the last team on the list, and this is oh, quite a heaped deck of a team here at, MLS, uh, at MS Amblin Andretti. Um, team America, or the other Team America, as we like to call them, because King's got two horses in this race. Uh, in the 27 car, Robin Frines is, is, is retained, but out is Simone Di Silvestro. She's going off to V8 Supercars um, ever in Australia for the next three years and replacing her in the 28 car, Antonio Felix da Costa, who, I mean, mm. God, guys, he was really good last season in that season one car at Amlin. <laughs> Yeah, it was Team McGurry, wasn't it? It was Team McGurry, was the other one. Yeah, it was a Gurry Hamlin. It was a Hamlin and Gurry, and it's yeah. that's uh, totally not confusing, by the way. <laughs> it's like mm, uh, Anthony Felix Acosta is one of those drivers I just love to see drive, but I never want to hear speak about anything ever. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah, no, no, he's great. He's brilliant with his interviews. Like, when I was like, like I. I th- I Uh-oh. think it's it's back to the Toroso days where he got looked over the seat for Daniel Caviat and he completely lost his mind. <laughs> he went crazy. And you know as well? He was one of those guys that wanted to hype up the series by saying, oh, we don't take pay drivers around here in Formula E. And you don't realize that the cost is still getting checks from Red Bull. It's just, it's like, yeah. it's, just not, it's just not a good look, Antonio. I mean, come on, man. It's like, <laughs> he's, he's a good guy. He's a good guy. And I realize that, but it's like, sometimes he could just be a bit too salty. <laughs> Just a little bit. But okay, remember, also bearing in mind, Amin and Andretti have got that technical partnership with BMW in their back pocket. So that could be a team to watch out for. And again, that's a very strong team. I mean, Robin was very strong on at, at times last year. Remember the time he got the podium with the broken steering rack? Oh, God. Yeah, I can't believe he got that car across the line. That was ridiculous. I don't know how he did that. <laughs> but, um, yeah, Roman Frein's there. And DaCosta. DaCosta was super good for Team Anguri last year. Just, I think he was third overall in the team's ballot for driver of the year. Obviously, Buemi won. Degrassi was second. But the best of the rest, they, they voted was DaCosta. Even if his championship standing didn't quite reflect that. Because his, his car was very unreliable last year. But um, on, in terms of raw speed, DaCosta was right up there in that car. That was still the same car as the Season 1 car. So yeah, there there are like very few people I would have liked to see replace Simona, but <laughs> Felix Acosta was one of those people. Yeah, because let it be known, we all love Simona on this show. She is amazing. One of the like, she was a real like awesome person to have in the paddock because some of the videos she was in on YouTube were just so funny. She was like the older sister figure to Robin, and she just took the piss out of him like, on a <laughs> yeah. basis. <laughs> it was really, really funny, and that's why uh, that's why I love Simona for it. But that is your Formula E 2016 grid. But uh, King, before before we wrap it up and move on to the to the news in the mailbag, who do you think will win the championship? Ooh, I I want to go boy, I want to go boy again. <laughs> Want me to retain? <laughs> yeah, want me to retain. I just have that gut feeling that Renault is going to be good this year. 
Yeah, how about you, Johnson? Oh, so, 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 should that be caveman? <laughs> Excuse me? Yeah. <laughs> um, that, that says it all I mean, right there, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, I, mean, I wasn't expecting the speak, period. <laughs> yeah, to be like... I mean, that's. I thought that was the reason you got Katie in for tonight. You wanted someone who was actually knowledgeable on the series. Yes. Um, but so, I mean, to be fair, based on what I have watched of the series, which is admittedly limited, and knowing how Audi goes about their motorsport programs, i.e., second is not a position we ever finish in. <laughs> Degrassi to finally get the breakthrough. I have a, good, a fairly decent feeling about that, mainly because of the renewed Audi focus on him. And hey, how many more times can Degrassi finish second? Indeed, that's a, that's a good shout indeed. Katie, what about you? Oh, um, I think it could be Buemi again. Um, I mean, the Renault car is fantastic, which is why they've won the Constructors' Champions since the series mm-hmm. started. Um but then, like you say, Lucas Degrassi is strong. I think he got the most amount of wins last season, although one of them was taken away from him. Uh, he's hungry as ever after what happened at the end of last, uh, last season. But then during the testing, Jean-Eric Verne was very strong. He came away second quickest from the testing. Although Boemi did take the lap record at 128.910. Totally haven't got that written down in front of me. Uh, it's the most professional the show has ever been. <laughs> <laughs> but Ben was quite close behind him um, on a 129.109. So we'll have to see. It, I mean, we'll be able to judge it better after the first race, after they've actually Very been true. around the street circuit, not a racetrack like Donington. But um, yeah, I wouldn't count John Eric Van in for maybe winning the title this year, but I think he's definitely going to be a dark horse. Yeah. As Katie, like Katie's going in bet in terms of what I like to call the each way bet, right there with John Eric Vern. But uh, I, I'm I'm in Johnson's camp. I'm going with Lucas Degrassi this year. I think he has a guy that always has a habit of getting something out of nothing, and he would have won four races and the championship if it wasn't for that win that was taken off him in Mexico for having a car that was literally 110 grams overweight. Um, I was very unlucky that day in Mexico. They tried out a different wheel rim set, and uh, uh, he, he like he could see Lucas was pissed when he was talking to. Dario Franchitti about it a week later on YouTube. He said, yeah, the car was 100 grams over the weight limit, and that's what lost us the win. And uh, it, he was he was livid um, that day. Because Lucas really, really wants to win a title here. He's like one of the most passionate Formula E supporters out there. So I'd like to see Lucas get one. Um, I think he'll take it. I think Audi... I think, again, we've got to remember, Renault made us so many mistakes last season with with unsafe releases, with Wemi bottling it in qualifying and having to really fight his way through the field. His, Renault made a dog's dinner of it last season when they we, they were the, by far the fastest car in the field. So I think Lucas could pick him off here if he gets the right set of results. So we're... I mean... We're, 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 oh, go, go on, Katie. Sorry. I was going to say, don't forget in season one, although um, Renault Edams won the Constructors' Championship, it wasn't one of their drivers that won the Drivers' Championship. Indeed. It was uh, Nelson Piquet Jr. So it could be that Renault are strong instructors for the third in the road, but then it's somebody like Lucas who clinches that driver's championship. Very much so. That's a very good point indeed. So look forward to that. Formula E, which is now on Channel 5 on British television. So that'll be Channel 5 on, on Sunday morning, so check that out in, indeed. Um, looking forward to it. Martin, yeah, Ma- Martin Haven on commentary as well, to replacing Jack Nichols at least for the next couple of rounds. So that'll be very cool to have as well. So for those British fans out there, check out Formula E if you haven't already. Give it a chance. I think it's, it's, I think it's very captivating in television um, and I said Channel 5 Sunday morning check it out then so let's get into the news and the mailbag 
Katie, what's your what's your song racing intro for this one then? <laughs> Da, 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 da. No, that sounds like Top Gear theme tune. <laughs> 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 Start Jessica. Yeah, go on. <laughs> Whoa, yes, know. wait a minute, Mr. Postman. Okay, that has to be it. <laughs> right, so into the news. There's only really one major news story to talk about going into this week's episode, and that is, um, and shout out to the great corners out there. That she'll be loving. She went ape shit when she heard this news king but uh alexander rossi is staying andretti herta for another three years in the world of indycar yeah his f1 career is over so any people who say he might go back to drive for a manor that is dead now don't talk about it please <laughs> <laughs> the american gets defensive um but uh yep he is staying in the number 98 car signed a three-year extension took his time in signing it i think it was uh, this this was like open news for a good week before this had actually come out on happened but uh we finally got the confirmation of it i think from andretti themselves a couple of days ago that the indy 500 champion alexander rossi will be in andretti herta for three more years and johnson i don't know about you but i think that f1's loss is definitely going to be indycar's gain in the long run because they've got another very talented american in the series Well, massively, I think everything changed with that Indy 500 win, didn't it? I mean, it was like you could tell Rossi, he kind of annoyed some of the IndyCar purists by still hanging on to that manor reserve role, but it, it felt like he was hedging his bets. He didn't know which way his career was going to go next. As soon as he won the Indy 500, becomes a cult figure, becomes a, a superstar overnight, and he suddenly realizes, hang on a minute, I'm legitimately quite good at this IndyCar thing, and I can be successful in one of the top teams in this series, versus where the hell am I going to end up in Formula 1, even if I go back there? Manor are one of the you know, they're only just ahead of Sauber in the pecking order, really. Even if you go somewhere like Haas, that's about mid-table. You know, it's it's the old, do you want to be a big fish in a small pond or vice versa? And, and IndyCar's not even that small a pond. It's a, you know, he's a star in his own homeland now. So to me, the whole, oh, but he'll go back to F1, won't he? Was only from a slight sense of F1 snobbery. Mm-hmm. You know, that, oh, he was wasted in IndyCar. He, everyone wants to be in F1 because why wouldn't they? Well, no, he doesn't anymore. And I think it's the best off for his career to focus merely on IndyCar. Andretti and Herter have got a great little driver over there. Indeed, only two points off being top Andretti in the championship behind Carlos Munoz in the end, again, ahead of former 500 winner and champion Ryan Hunter Ray in his rookie season. I mean, that you can't say much more of an endorsement of Rossi that as a rookie is coming in and was almost the best driver in the team right off the bat. So that that's a testament to just how good Rossi was this year. So who needs F1? Stuff that shit. If you're in a really yeah. good IndyCar team, I mean... As, as some other people would say, he, he really proved that he could be, you know, the face that runs the place. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I see where you got that from. Like, uh, plus, IndyCar don't want none. Yeah. Plus one, King. Plus one. Plus one, indeed. But uh, let's, let's get into the mailbag on this edition. We've got a few questions we haven't we haven't touched yet from earlier in the show. And uh, let's go to uh, Patreon backer first, Miles Pardo asks, with Mercedes agreeing to join Formula E, could we see Ferrari? Short answer for me, no. I don't know how you guys feel about this, but I, 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 I don't see this. They've dabbled with hybrid tech with the LaFerrari, but I just don't think Ferrari have as big an, an interest in selling electric cars as the other day. I mean, Mercedes and BMW are much more mainstream car manufacturers, aren't they? They have, like, Ferrari are all about supercars, yeah, and, you know what and I mean? The thing is that Ferrari is very very hands-off when it comes to racing in other series. Like, yes, they have... Uh, they 
essentially have a factory GT program in the World Endurance Championship, but they won't call it a factory. No, no, no. no. <laughs> it's um, AF, AF Corsa is not the Ferrari factory team. It has Ferrari factory drivers and looks like a factory Ferrari and has factory... It's, it's, it's not, not a factory, factory Ferrari team. team. Ferrari, Ferrari only do the best. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Indeed, and not to mention, like I know you're talking about the LaFerrari there, Johnson, but um, well, I remember when James May reviewed it on Top Gear, he specifically said during the review, Ferrari have no interest in making electric cars. So I think that pretty much puts that... The hybrid was more like a sort of proof that they can do it. Hey, there's this new tech, let's see if it makes our supercars even more mental. Yes, and it did, because that car's got 950 horsepower in it. So yes, it, I think it kind of works. Oh, I, love, I love it so. But I love out, it so. Out, of the, out of those big three cars, it's the only one where you can't run it purely on the electric. Electric. They, they only made it to enhance the power of the petrol engine. So that should tell you all you need to know right there. Like the very Ferrari, Italian way of thinking about it. Yeah, things. exactly. Ferrari only had it basically to improve the road, to improve their road cars. They're not going to make electric cars at all. So that's pretty much dead in the water already. So yeah, I, I don't think that's going to be happening anytime soon. Um, <laughs> we, we mentioned this off the air as well, but who said Romo asked question for Katie? Where can I watch the Robo race on TV? This guy loves the idea of the Robo that race. That guy's upset. He, he's convinced that NASCAR and IndyCar are going to become Robo NASCAR and Robo IndyCar. I'm like, can you not? No. This is no, going to end up like Minority no. Report up in here. Um, my advice, watch it on YouTube. They're most likely going to include it in their live streams more than likely because they, they bung everything in there. So that's probably going to be your best bet. But you also had a second question. For question for Dre, Johnson, and Ryan. How cool would it be if Mercedes F1 had a third car and Joseph Newgarden in it? And somewhere, Johnson's eyes have just lit up. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, hang on. Why would there be a third car in F1 full stop? Yeah. Stop being that guy, Johnson. I mean, I'd love there for, me to, for there to be third cars in F1. Everyone says, oh, it'll kill the small teams. I'm like, the small teams are already pretty much dying at this point. They're already Dre, King, King, take off your Mercedes snapback, mate. Me and Dre are in agreement on this one. We ain't feeling third hey, cars. It could be a Ferrari third car or a Red Bull third car. I don't care. <laughs> or a Force India. Think of me, damn it. <laughs> yes, or a Force India third car. Uh, yes, or a Force India, of course. Yes, please. But I would, I've said it before, I said it a couple of weeks ago. I've said it when he won in Iowa. I'd love Joseph Newgarden in Formula One. He'd be, he'd be such a character. And you know, that would be true charisma in Formula One right now. Like, people go crazy over Daniel Ricciardo because he drinks out of a shoe and listens to Arcade <laughs> Fire. That's what we call charisma in F1. The bar is And years so ago, low. we went nuts over Kimi. Ro- we went nuts over Kimi Raikkonen telling his engineer to shut up. Yeah, like, like, Kimi, like, I always say this, Kimi Raikkonen has an anti-charisma where he's so not charismatic that he actually is charismatic. Yeah, he's so deadpan. <laughs> well, yeah, especially when the hot viral trend is listening to a video of 10 hours and going, like that is that is the microcosm of Kimi Raikkonen in a nutshell. You want proper charisma? That's the hot mix in the clubs right now. <laughs> you want proper charisma? Go check out Joseph Newgarden or James Hinchcliffe for that matter. Who got his first ten on Dancing with the Stars oh my last God. night? <laughs> yeah. Can I just say on that point? On that on that point, Dre. We, uh, uh, you know this a friend of mine as well. Yeah. Here's proof that IndyCar drivers are charismatic. I've managed to get a friend of mine who has never paid any attention to motorsport ever before into IndyCar just based on James Hinchcliffe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's awesome. As like I said, first 10 on Dancing with the Stars last night. That was fire. <laughs> yeah. Castro Nevis is just sat there like, yeah, still got a load of weeks to go. But, Come on, keep it up. Boy. But again, yeah. it was kind of- 
It was it was overshadowed because Laurie Hernandez got a perfect ten on from all three judges, and it's like, oh for God's sake! <laughs> I mean, Laurie Hernandez is a Team USA gymnast, so it's like it's not fair, King. It's not fair. A gymnast shouldn't, an Olympic level gymnast should not be put in a dancing contest. I mean, <laughs> that just sounds stupid. <laughs> Hashtag hitch caping. <laughs> I am hitch caping so hard right now. <laughs> This, this this can't be a thing. God damn it. Um, so let's have a look at it. Also, a question based on Mercedes and Formula 1 from Button MK saying, thoughts on Mercedes being the land to Formula E season five? Obviously, we talked about that a little bit. We also said, do you think they could send in Rosberg, Hamilton, Verlein, or Ocon? Uh, I, Verlein, no. probably. That, that's probably where their older drivers are gonna go for like retirement, like that. I like Bring back all the rest. If, there, if there's ever a Lewis Hamilton retirement tour, that that's where it's gonna happen. Except I can't see Hamilton paying that much interest. We know Hamilton's pretty old school with F1. Head. He's the one bleating about. No- yeah, exactly. So but I, I mean, can't see Hamilton him going there. Still has a Honestly, good, like, I could see five years left in F1. By the time he gets in the yeah, Formula exactly. E, the car's gonna be so much different. Well, to be honest with you, I, if, if any of those four I can see going to Formula E, it'd probably be Verline just because his career in F1 would be stymied by the fact there's just no seats at the top table. So yeah. he could take a sort of left s- sideways step. Very true. You know? True. So but then I was talking to Jack Nichols about this, um, and he said, you know, what we don't want is we don't want Formula E to become a stomping ground for retired F1 drivers. I mean, people like Alejandro was talking about Massa possibly coming into the series, and he said, you know, we'd welcome Massa with open arms and stuff. But... It needs to be a place where drivers mm. that are current and are popular, which is why, well, I suppose you could call some of the people in there like surely as a one. Sorry to cut you, Katie, but surely as a, as a new series, you'd want to make stars, not borrow them. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's a bit like when you're a new wrestling promotion, you don't just want to completely hire WWE knockoffs. But WCW? like, I know IndyCar has the sport culture. W- <laughs> w- yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> no, only $6.99 you. for Alberto Del Rio. <laughs> The man formerly known as Damien Sandow. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, but I think I talked about this with you, Johnson, before on a previous episode where it could be like uh, what the NASCAR truck series used to be, where where you have a mix of where you have a mix of both the older guys and the younger guys coming up. Yes, yeah, so it's almost like the younger guys are developing and it's like, well, first you've got to get through the old stages and they're the, they're the, the ones who have been around the block. And that was kind of an interesting dynamic in the trucks for a long time. Right, right. So very much so. So, yeah, that, that's the idea I've got anyway. Another Formula E Merckx-based question from Len Morrison asking, has Mercedes' future investment potentially kept Formula E alive for the foreseeable future? Uh, uh, I, I don't know if you could say it's an investment. Like, I don't think the entry fees for, like, for Formula E are that huge considering so, that either. the series highly, you know, highly, you know, speaks about cost control and, you know, limiting development to keep costs down. I like Formula E was pretty stable to begin with before Mercedes signed up yeah. <laughs> or like yeah. signed up to take an option to sign up. Indeed. So, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think that's a problem for the series going forward. I don't think money was, has ever been an issue for Formula E. If anything, they're trying to quash the idea that money's even a thing. So I, I, I don't think that's a, that's a major issue. But hey, you know, it's always nice to have a factory involved, right? So again, <laughs> Now they have six. Now they have six. <laughs> as a, What's not the lot? As a fan or a spectator, though, would you, if you hadn't shown an interest in Formula E being in your city, 
for a couple of years, are you suddenly then going to jump and go, yeah, actually, I want to go and see that if Mercedes are involved or if you haven't shown interest already, why would you show an interest now as, a, as oh. like a spectator kind of point? Like, as as like a bystander standpoint, like the New York City race is pretty much not has not like there's no hype around the New York City race in the city because events like this happen all the time where we Ooh. had like the America's Cup, like no one cared even like in terms of a sporting event, barely anyone showed up. But all the sailors I talked to there said that this is like the most people they've ever seen show up to like <laughs> Uh, to like an America's Cup event, even though it's to the point where like I'm able to talk to them without a press pass. <laughs> wow, that's pretty cool. <laughs> but yeah, I think, and then other events that you had in the city, I think we had like an all star cricket event with, I, I know, Brian Lara. Uh, God. Oh, yes. Like we had like this little where like a bunch of tr- cr- cricket stars come to like play at uh, sh- uh, City Field where the Mets play and like no one cared about it. I think like it didn't even sell out, even though like if this was in England or India or Australia, it would have sold out instantaneously. Yeah, that, that that's that's sad, man. No one. This is a legend like Ryan Charles Lara. It's uh, it's, uh, it's that that makes me very sad that I didn't sell out. But that's just a New York thing, I suppose. You know, they get special events all the time, so you know, you know you're not really going to stand out so much. And last question on the mailbag from Shawnee F1. He asks, "Who is more likely to replace Kimi at Ferrari, Ricardo, Perez, Sainz, or someone else? Who would be your personal choice?" Mm. I feel like I have a slight vested interest, so I'm going to go last. Oh, I, feel I wonder like... who it could be, Johnson. <laughs> I mean, Shock me. Ricardo has said in the past, and as most of the drivers do, that it's like a dream to race for, for Ferrari growing up watching them dominate. But I'd personally like to see somebody like Sainz there. I don't know if you guys are the same. I'd, I'd love Carlos Sainz. Yeah. yeah. I wouldn't be against that, to be fair. I, my pick would be Charles Leclerc. I like him. Oh, for God's <laughs> sake. <laughs> you French tart. Wow. <laughs> King, King, well, no, 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 no. I was prepared to put my Perez fanboyism aside <laughs> for Carlos Sainz. You, you've been one up to my King on this one, Johnson. You- do not step to me on this one. <laughs> no, no, Johnson, you win this round. <laughs> that, that, that was all King on this one. Mr. Charles friggin' Leclerc in the background there. <laughs> Charles the Cleric. <laughs> yes, as you do. But me personally, I'm with Katie. I'd, I'd love Carlos. Like, Carlos Sainz, man. Like, he is so good. And like, I've said it before. He's going to be in my top five of 2016 when that video comes out at the end of the year. He's been absolutely gangbusters for Toro Rosso this year in a car that really hasn't, you know, it's, it's struggled a lot of times because they can't develop that engine because it's on last year's power unit. But Carlos Sainz has dragged it into the points so many times this year. He's done an absolutely outstanding job with pretty much no support in that team because Daniel Kvyat has been, well, questionable, if, I, if I'm being kind here. Um, he's not been too great for him, but Carlos Sainz has been so good. I'd love to see him benefit from something like that, but probably not going to happen anytime soon because Red Bull still want to keep him for reasons uh, maybe he makes good tea or something i don't know but um that just about does it for this episode of the show katie tell the good people where they can find you if they've enjoyed your input on this episode already <laughs> you can find me and all my contact on twitter which is at katie fan and that's katie with a y yes very um, or yeah <laughs> it always gets confused everybody thinks it's ie yep yep same with ron <laughs> um, or you can find me on my blog, which is katiefairman.wordpress.com. Um, and as you said, I'm also writing with eracing.net, 
for this Formula E season. So if you're interested, then you can check them out as well. Yep, thank you for that, Katie. Yep, for the rest of us, you know where to find us youtube.com forward slash motorsport 101, facebook.com forward slash motorsport 101, on Twitter at motorsport underscore 101. And of course, we personally rule on Twitter at Harrison101HD, at AJ underscore one more sports, at Ryan, at Ryan Eric King. That's with K's involved. And of course, Katie at Katie Fairman with a Y. See, that's with a new a one I can add to the Katie list now. With a y. <laughs> and, and don't forget, if you if you like us on Patreon, you can back us on there at patreon.com forward slash motorsport101. We'll be back next week with another episode of Motorsport 101. But special thanks to Katie Fairman for joining us. She's an absolute gem. Follow her. Give, give her a bump from us if you listen to the show. Um, that would be lovely of you. But uh, check us out next week. Hopefully, the three of us, maybe, who knows at this point. But uh, hope, until next time, I've been Andre Harrison. They We've been Katie Fairman, Adam Johnson, and Ryan King. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll catch you guys next time. Sayonara. Bye. Thank you.